Welcome back to the TMC. Oh shit. Don't I normally well, count us in? <laughs> you do! You fucked it up! I didn't oh even try God. to screw you that time. I, I opened up episode Ooh. 38 wrong already. Uh, well, Damn. you'll have to forgive me. I'm not counting things in. I've broken tradition. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. This is episode 38. Um, yep. Again, not a number that I can think of anything clever to say about, except we're getting closer yep. and closer to 40. Well, they're all about breaking tradition anyway, aren't we? <laughs> It's surprising. What's it's surprising how much structure we've actually kept, despite the fact our natural tendency seems to be to go wildly off topic. The reason uh, we've kept that structure so strongly is because I need coffee every other break, <laughs> <laughs> and so the quality just starts descending into anger whenever I don't get one for a certain amount of time. Oh God, you're an addict, Blue. Mm. I am. I totally am. Oh man. Well, speaking of that, we're um we're we're gonna be venturing this this morning into a topic that might be a little bit contentious for some folks. Um, Spicy, some might say. Yeah, or at least like a just, good taco. Just a little, bit, not the tacos again. <laughs> there are no dinosaurs. This is this is not an amusing metaphor. No. Um, in fact, it's a topic that I think both of us have been somewhat annoyed about recently um both uh just just for things we've encountered in our lives um mm. and the topic seems to be the uh the, this kind of recent push in both uh you know professional and scholastic environments to sort of even even beyond that just in terms of like government policy in a lot of cases the, this push to try and correct some kind of perceived injustice in the world by overcompensating hardcore in the other direction and thereby just causing more discrimination and harm, in my opinion. I think in... Um, so essentially what we're going to be discussing today, for those uh, who maybe, uh, maybe this, these views are too strongly worded for some people and I'm sorry, it's, you're just going to have to skip ahead then. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be discussing uh, gender politics today. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily... And, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, go on. Well, no, no, no. I, I, <laughs> it kind of almost sounds like I'm making a joke when I say that, but no, literally, it's um, quite a serious thing in reality. Um, and there are... <sighs> there are times when the world has done it right recently, and there are times equally when... Uh, times and places, I think, where it's kind of been taken out of context, it's been pushed beyond its boundaries, uh, as Kaiser says, in sometimes in the opposite direction, sometimes just not in the right, in the initial direction to start with, not mm. enough. Um, but yeah, we're going to be going through a whole bunch of topics like that, uh, so prepare your butts. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, since you you gave that intro to to not just start off um, with you know the negative, I think I will give an example of ways that this sort of thing has been done correctly in modern times and has mm. has been a net good for for life and society. I think, and that was um, at least in in the U.S. I think this ha might have happened earlier in the U.K., but the push in the the '60s and '70s and '80s in the U.S. to try and um, kind of end the sort of discrimination that a lot of women faced in professional work environments. That being like, 
you know, in the 60s, if you're a woman in an office, you're pretty much going to be relegated to some kind of a secretarial or administrative role. Um, a lot of the, the bigger ones, it was just kind of perceived that, you know, it was, it was a man's world. There were professional women at those times, but they did have to push pretty hard to get into those positions. Um, yeah. And I think the, the change that was made, like, throughout those decades, and again, I'm speaking in the U.S. context, I'm not sure when exactly the same sort of thing happened in the, in the U.K. Um, they, like, that, that was a net positive. Like, to have, you know, basically protections in place that say, you know, regardless of what gender you are, you get, you know, the same sort of opportunities. Um, that being, like, said that I, I, there, there are companies that I've seen that have done this very well in the modern times. Basically, like, you'll get a resume and it won't have a name on it. It'll just have, like, initials. Uh, so you mm -hmm. won't be able to tell if it's a man or a woman. You won't be able to tell what their, like, background is, you know. Like, all of that is taken away, and you're just reviewing the resume. So you're looking at pure qualifications okay. absent of the person. So any sort of prejudice that you might have cannot factor in. And yeah. I think that, I mean, that, that... That's good, I think. That's a good... That's, so I, that's why I wanted to open up with that. That's a positive way that this mm. sort of thing has been applied. Something that I notice, this isn't inherently gender, but I think, I feel like sexuality kind of keys into this kind of thing quite a lot. Um, what kind of frustrates me is when either, like, let's say you're uh, signing up for, I don't know, something. It could be anything. And so many forms these days want to know what your sexuality is. And yeah. completely, there's, like, no fucking reason whatsoever. The, the temptation... Well, there are reasons. And there there are good reasons and bad reasons. I, I personally think they shouldn't be asking that shit at all. I think it's completely no. pointless. Who who gives a... Like, if I'm if I'm applying for a job, what the fuck do you care who I sleep with? Like, just get that out of your mind. Like, yeah. if it's not illegal, it's then, unprofessional. Yeah, but and I think this is why I kind of um, was like, eh, when you said the topic we're going to be discussing is specifically gender politics, because it does expand outside of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the, the problem that I have to give it a more pointed description is, like, I have a problem with any sort of discrimination against anyone, positive or negative, based on immutable characteristics. You know, sexuality, right. ethnicity, or yep. gender. Things that don't affect anyone else. Essentially, yeah. It's like, if they're... they're and the things that you can't change about yourself, like... They're, they're, they're characteristics that are inherent to you. So, right. like, any sort of discrimination, positive or negative, against somebody based on those characteristics profoundly offends me. Or at least I find them very distasteful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, I interrupted your... your no, no, I thought you were, uh, you were well, saying why um, sexuality, asking sexuality on a form might be useful oh the reason that they do it is because of government statistics and company statistics at least in the u.s the whole affirmative action thing and all of these th this hyper focus that people have on this this is well, why the fuck do the government need to know <laughs> they don't that's my <laughs> this is what annoys me so actually to bring it back to what the positive example i used it was positive and we kind of reached peak like um 
peak fairness, I think, in the U.S. sometime in the 90s. Um, mm. That's just my amateur take on it. And then once we pushed past the 90s into the 2000s and 2010s, it started to swing in the opposite direction, where essentially all these organizations... <laughs> part of it, I think, is these organizations needed a reason to exist. You have these departments in the government and these professional organizations that were built up around the sole purpose they exist is to you know, reach this level of fairness between people. And I'm using the word fairness yeah. specifically because what what people consider now are like they're they're pushing past that now where they're actively going like i know there was a big controversy in the uk um a couple of years back where the bbc was hiring interns and the internship and mind you it the internship was open purely to people who were from uh a what was it um I think the the term you guys use over there is uh, BAME, Black Minority Ethnic. Um, and then it also like basically it it was it was we want somebody who ticks some diversity box. Yeah. And but the thing is, it was a research internship. It wasn't it was it wasn't like they were going to be it like acting in like a, a drama or something like that or being like an extra because that would have made sense. You know, we're going to do like. A historical drama set in Zimbabwe or something like that. So we need to have somebody of this ethnicity to show up in the in the background. That would have made yeah. sense, but it's it was just a research job. Why why are you discriminating based on race for a research job? Mm. So and I think you, you bring up the theatre. That's quite a key point because obviously, as you know, in theatre in the past, um, women at one point were never allowed on the stage and. So men would have to play the uh, the dame and such, and that tradition is stuck because it's it's funny. Yeah. Um, but instead, the women a lot of times the women have taken on roles that the men would uh, would have. Yeah. And so, like, sorry. Ooh. Finish your thought. Well, I was going to say so. I think um, there have been some performances I went to where the. Uh, the, the 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 main character um, was in the story a boy, but they switched it to a girl for the the stage, and that's the main main character. And I think that's uh, it shows creativity in the way that they can, um, you know, take the the main focus of an entire story, change it slightly, but they're so good at their bloody job that it it plays naturally. Yeah. And this is this is kind of the this leads into another thing that kind of comes up in the the modern day because of this when people get all up in arms when somebody isn't playing uh, when they're playing a role that isn't like what their characteristics are so man playing yeah. a woman woman playing a man um, yeah a black person playing what was historically a white person, a white person playing what was historically a black person or an Asian or what, what have you. They, they got, like, I remember the, the Ghost in the Shell um, live action movie, pe people got angry because there was a white chick playing um, what in the anime people presumed to be an Asian woman. Yeah. Um, but it's never stated that she's Asian in the series, I don't think. And she's in a cybernetic body anyway. You have no idea what she like originally was or looked like. She could make that body right. look like whatever. Um, but my point, going back to your point, they're actors. Like, if they're doing their job well, 
they're, they're supposed to be pretending to be someone they're not. That's hmm. what acting is. We actually talked about this exact point previously with the uh, James Gordon thing. I don't know if you remember. I, I remember, actually, I remember saying that exact sentence before. I think yeah. I, I laid into act. I think I just summarized the acting profession as just, you're just playing pretend. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, so, um, reading between the lines of what we were talking about before, um, the reason they use uh, Ask for People's Sexualities is basically to fill out a sheet that says, we have people that do, yeah. that are this, this, and this. Like, a fucking Pokemon Go game. You know, gotta catch all the ethnic minorities and disabilities and genders and Jesus Christ. It, it does get a little tedious. It, there's um, a philosopher and economist that I really, really love reading. Um, hmm. He, his name, like, he's he's gotta be, like, wicked old now. The guy, um, Thomas Sowell is his name. Um, right. And he, he wrote... He, I've read a few of his books now, but one of the ones that he uh, he like became big for initially was the the book. It was just called Basic Economics, and in the book, he does a very good job laying out the the premises of economics, but he does it in a way that is very easily digestible by a layman by using like real world examples around the world by showing examples where different economic policies have been tried and the results and things like that. And one of the points he makes is um is th that exact thing because what you were saying the whole like pokemon id idea of diversity where you know we need to have you know all 150 in this in, yeah. in every organization ready for any occasion kind of thing exactly and it doesn't make any sense when you stop to think about it because well, so people I, one of the things I, I hear in the corporate environment a lot is you know we need to have you know even representation, we need to have like you know half women and half men in, in every department across the company, mm. right? I and think I think that sentence you just said really says it all. Really, they say they need it. No, yeah. what you want is you'd like it, well, because it, then it just happens to fall that way, and it's a nice thing. Even if you would like it to happen, but you got to examine that. Why? Why is that even? Des why is that desirable? Like, mm. you're you're acting like people are these perfect blank slates that they will just naturally fall into these even slots if only we could eliminate you know whatever thing is stopping them from doing that but in reality people make different choices like i don't like this idea of thinking it going that that mindset is essentially saying that all women are the same all men are the same you know, all people of, you know, Asian descent are the same. All people mm -hmm. from, you know, Hispanic descent are the same. And they're not. And, it, like, it happens way too much in the U. Like, even even if you drill down and say, okay, uh, if you say, as a generalization, you know, black people. Okay, are you talking about Caribbean? Are you talking about West African, East African, South African, Sub-Saharan? Are you talking about, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> the northern part of Africa? Like, those are very, very different, not only ethnicities, but also cultures. And the same thing when you say, when people go, like, white people. Are you talking about, you know, are you talking about, um, you know, Eastern Europeans, Northern Europeans, uh, Central, Mediterranean? Like, yeah. Like, the, the rules change on a daily basis. Um, I think, 
Uh, I was talking to someone who's quite a bit older than me the other day, and they were saying that back when they were, like, really young, it was not okay to say black people. And this was, like, tens and tens and tens of years ago. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of... I mean, is it even okay to say black people these days? I, it's I th- still got a taboo around it, but I don't think it's as bad because everyone's become used to it because of the whole Black Lives Matter thing. And everyone has become used to saying black people because they're representing only black people. Well, the one I keep hearing over and over again is um, people of color. Hmm. And I'm like, that sounds racist. It just, it, it, it strikes me too much of like, I, I won't say it because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, but like there was another a way you could rearrange those words and it that was that was considered, you know, a very racist thing to say when I was growing up, like a, a very, yeah. to describe them. And I'm like, but it's, I, I again, and maybe I'm I'm biased in this because I I grew up in the '90s and I was always brought up you don't you don't treat people differently based on their immutable immutable characteristics. You treat yeah. them like people. It's like you know I'm a person, you're a person. Unless you do something to make me think you're a dick, I'm going to treat you just like like I would want to be treated. Unless you do something to, you know... They, but that's... Yeah, I, unless you're like a fucking Nazi who just has always been brought up to think that if a person has a certain characteristic, they're a bad person. Or not even then, if they... They're a, yeah, like, but not even bad person or... But bad or good. Like, I, I think it's a bad thing to treat people as a monolith, whether you're treating them mm. as a monolith in a good way or a bad way. like it's To trust ba- them irrelevant of what they've done. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm purely on the side of treat somebody as an individual. Like, mm. if they are a good person, you treat them as a good person. But, like, you treat them as a good person, not them as a good person because their group is a good person, if that makes any sense. Which it, Yeah, or because, like, they're popular or famous or whatever, because... You hear about things like that so much, where it's like, you know, people on either on Twitch or just famous people in general, where they haven't turned out to be exactly what everyone thought they were because, yeah, uh, like you don't know the person. Yeah, <laughs> we, Twitch, we've we've a... we've ventured quite far from kind of the uh, the beginning yeah, here. We're, we're getting a little <laughs> bit more philosophical, but to to kind of bring it back down to like uh, concrete examples. Um, and to go back to the point I was making about that that uh, Thomas Sowell book, there's... Sorry, I, I lost track of my thought. But it, it's one of those things... So I, I work in, like, you know, biotech. Um, I remember I went to an engineering college, and there were three times the number of men and women in the college. But... In the pure science fields, specifically the biology fields, and Mm -hmm. to some extent uh, biochemistry, the ratio was almost reversed. There were double the number of women as men in those fields within the college that had a three-to-one male-to-female ratio. And the point Thomas Sowell points out in in his book, and this is something that is hotly contested now because it kind of destroys this tabula rasa view of a human. Um, Do you know what that phrase means? I've heard of it many times on page 2 but I don't know what it means. Tabula rasa is the concept that, a, I think it's Latin, that uh, the human being is a blank slate. 
that they you know you're you're born and it's purely nurture purely the world that makes you who you are um, right, okay and that's that's what this worldview or, or that's what this philosophy um that's I, mean, the I kind of agree with that in some respects it's well but it's like everything else it's not there you've got the the purely like um you know nazi ideology the pure uh, eugenicist ideology that we are which is the one, opposite yeah. yeah it's 100% our genes we are born and whoever we are is who we are predetermined at that point then you've got yep. the tabula rasa idea and that is it's entirely uh, nurture it's entirely our environment that makes us who we are and hmm. both of those ideas are stupid and wrong the the truth like almost everything else is in the middle of that our genes hmm. have an effect on us but our environment is what te like tells our bodies and allows us to express different genes and our experiences also you know build up our reactions and make our like help influence our decisions and whatever our internal like moral and political compass is going to be hmm. so it's it's a little of both now it's still a matter of scientific debate how much of each um so but I'm, I'm... that's sorry that that's getting too much into the weeds but the, the reason i brought it up um which i completely oh right was that and I, the reason i use my college as an example is that people are going to have different preferences based on their backgrounds partially but also based on who they are like there, there are going to be some things that just on average some people like better than others and it could be cultural and it could be societal and it could be genetic one thing that's always fascinated me is that the poorer a country is, the more likely in the modern world you're going to see um, a more even distribution of like men and women in a field. So like right. in Eastern Europe, for example, you see a much closer even distribution of men and women in like STEM and engineering and things like that. But in really rich Western countries like Denmark and Sweden and Norway, where they actually have some of the what i can't remember i think it's it's some un organization where they i don't know how they measure this but they measure like gender equality and those countries right. supposedly have the greatest gender equality in the world and in those countries whoa, 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 whoa. hold on how do you measure gender equality though? like because i said i would call bullshit <laughs> i have no idea how they measure it um it could be complete bunk mm. but in those countries they actually have the widest difference between um, men and women uh, taking up like STEM fields. So if we if we just look at like STEM meaning like the science, engineering, math, and STEM, so, oh science, technology, engineering, and math. So in those yeah. fields, I was trying to spell in my head there for a second. It was a disaster. <laughs> there was, <laughs> they found that if you look at these countries that have like a poor um uh, like poorer ratings on that gender equality scale they actually have um a more even distribution of men and women in stem but in these mm. these richer countries that also have this higher rating on this equality scale you find that there's a larger disparity between men and women in the stem fields and i don't know what that that means but it, it just to me, it always illustrated that these issues are way more complicated than just 
we need 50-50, and if we get all of these barriers out of the way, then we'll have 50-50, because it doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a problem that's never going to fully go away. Um, it's always going to be either one way or, or the other in, in smaller margins. And it can be both ways because, frankly, I'm sure in like um, you know parts of Africa or something, women are still probably being treated terribly. I mean, I, I don't know the local politics of every country in the world. And um, I get why... Congo's a really I mean, good example. Right, okay, yeah. It's essentially well, been I, um, in like a civil war for quite a while now, and you know they've they've essentially in in good chunks of the country they've degraded to like a semi-tribal state. Yeah, and I, I get why we would need to. Um, God, it's <laughs> um, how can I say this? It's good that we can help these countries to find an equal balance in their gender politics, but at the same time, we are no country in the world, I don't think, is perfectly balanced in gender politics yet. Um, it's it's uh, a matter of, like, trying to... I, I think the problem... The, the, the cause of our current, like, situation... So we've got issues where you've got these, you know, more developing countries who definitely, they, they have the problems we had like, you know, 50 to 100 years ago, where there's a very clear gender divide and, you know, portions of the population are still treated, like, very poorly. They don't have the same yeah. rights. Um, but then you've got the opposite, which is like in, kind of in, in the Western world, uh, what's what you see now is that we've gone in the opposite direction. Like, we've, we've used a we've tried to use a hammer to like you know fine-tune something and it just we, we've gone too far to the point where now we're we're actively discriminating against people hmm. um well let's um let's pull away from the scientific view for a moment okay let's look at it from a social perspective so i'm sure at some point in the past you've experienced, or at least heard of an experience where, let's say, a guy holds a door open for a lady, and he gets told off for it. Yeah, I actually have a... <laughs> I actually know a girl from uh, my high school, and um, she was. She actually was... I had a debate with her one time, like, this was years ago now. Hmm. Um, probably, like, 2012, if I had to guess. Or it may hmm. have been while I was still in college. Anyway, she... Um, you know, she was saying something. I was saying she was saying something about like getting annoyed when when guys hold doors open for yeah, something toxic like masculinity. That. I believe it's generally referred to. Yeah, which confuses me. How is courtesy toxic? But whatever. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the better way to put it is chauvinistic. Chauvinistic, yeah. But anyway, she like got up on it, like got annoyed about it, and I was like, well, why? Like, why is this annoying you? It's like, what, hmm. they think I can't open the door myself? I was like, no, they're just being polite, probably. Yeah, it's it's something that I would... Personally, I hold a door well, open for everybody. If there's a guy exactly. behind me, if there's a woman behind me, I hold the door. Because it's, it's a polite thing to do. I don't expect it. But, frankly, if anyone held a door open for me, for a start, I'd say thank you. Like, that's just automatic autopilot. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. Uh, and if it was a lady... I would be no more or less thankful because of it. It's someone holding a door open. 
Yeah. It's not like you're sleeping with them. <laughs> um, you hold the door open, and as she passes, you tip your fedora and go, "Milady." Exactly. Yeah. No, it's. <laughs> uh, I actually remember when I was. Um, this was like a year or two ago now. Uh, I walked out of my at the time job, and we'd go for coffee every morning, and me and uh, these couple of girls. And I think we were discussing this kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll pay for you know today's." Uh, mm -hmm. coffees and the person kind of turned to me and was like jokingly they were like oh aren't you white knighting a bit now <laughs> and I'm like no but that is a good point maybe <laughs> maybe subconsciously I am like a little bit you know I, but isn't that something but, you you kind of do with friends and co-workers like you know, yeah, if they were like, dudes, I, I would get done the this, same thing. Yeah, it's like, I, I got this one, you know, maybe next time somebody else gets the check. Like, it's just a... Hmm. I don't know, it's it's a social thing as well. But I don't think if if they were not if they were not women, I would have still done the same thing, I think. My... But I can't say for certain because it's not the reality. <laughs> so let me, I'm, I, I feel like... To be balanced here, I do need to play devil's advocate a little bit. There are definitely people out there who will, like... I, I've, I've known guys who, like, really feel uncomfortable if, like, they're splitting a check with, with a woman or if they let her pay or something like that. Um, okay, yeah. And I can kind of... I can I can sympathize with it. Like, it, it does feel a little yeah. bit weird even to me, but, I, I, but I've kind of just... Gotten over I feel it. like it'd be worse if it was the other way around. Like, if they expected the woman to pay, that would be worse, I think. Yeah, but by the same token, I actually know women who um, would find it really, really weird if a guy didn't pay, even if they weren't going out with them, if they were just out with the guy. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> I've always found the best um, the best way of thinking about it is if someone actively wants to pay, like they've had a really nice meal, they've enjoyed it, they want to pay, it's not because the other person's a man or a woman. That like that's the best way of seeing it, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Well, or if like one person is just like it's a treat for from one person to another, it's like a, a gift kind of thing. Then yeah, go for it, pay for it. Like I don't know. That that made me think of something. And maybe a lot of this is down to your perception of the world. Because mm -hmm. everyone is going to have a very subjective view of reality. Like, there's, um, going back to last week's podcast, like, science is what will tell you what reality actually is to the best of our ability. But if you're just experiencing the world on a day-to-day -day basis, you will subjectively perceive it differently. So maybe a lot of this comes down to people who, like... Like the the a the the guys who can't stand to have a woman pay or to split the check they have to pay and the women who get offended when somebody holds a door or when somebody offers to pay maybe yeah. a lot of that is down to their own perceptions of the world like the guy might be thinking you know oh god I'm you know she's she's saying I'm not I'm not a man you know that I I can't afford this and maybe the mm -hmm. girl is thinking is he saying I'm weak like he's saying I can't you know I can't earn my own money. Like, yeah. there might be an element of that subjective perception that feeds into that, and... I feel like if you're good enough friends with someone, though, that doesn't matter. It, well, yeah, if you're friends with people, then yeah, then generally it shouldn't matter, you're right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that comes down to the fact that we're getting into like the uh, the science of like uh, interpersonal relationships here, but mm. people like so to go back to my example that I just used of people maybe not knowing and they have this perception of the world and they're they're taking offense before they understand the full thing. I think the reason that doesn't happen when you're with a group of friends is because you all basically know each other. You know each other's habits and proclivities. Like, you're not going to get offended. And if you do get offended... Going back to the holding the door example, I mean, I might hold a door for a complete stranger, but I'll kick it shut in my friend's face because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, that sort of But you would never do that to a random person, ever. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> just, just to clarify. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I mean, is I do it to my friends because it's, it's funny. Yeah. We're, we're friends... We can mess with yeah. each other because we're friends, exactly. but to a stranger... We say horrific things to each other that we would never say to anyone else. Well, it, that's the thing. There's the a... same, like, yeah. If you're, if you're a decent person, there's a certain level of decorum that you're expected to have out in the wider world. You don't be mm-hmm. an asshole or a prick to a complete stranger unless they do something to you. Yeah. Like, if somebody, you know, I don't know, throws something at me in the street, then, okay, all bets are off. I'm kicking them in the nuts. But... <laughs> if 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 it's if it's just two people like passing by or something like that and I don't know mm. I see him drop something I might I'll go up, hey hey you drop this be, there's a, a level of decorum and politeness that you have because you know you ideally because you you live in <laughs> I was with, it's that old meme I'm trying not to say it we live in a society yeah <laughs> it's 2021 damn it Oh my um, god, not the It's Current Year meme. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there are a whole range... I, I am aware of the time, but there is, like, a whole range of topics we still haven't discussed. Um, yeah, I mean... From... I'm, go on. We, we can go over a little bit, I think. Uh, okay. Well, there's two major topics that I was gonna... that, that were still in my mind. They are... Um, a, the concept of you cannot hit a girl. Yeah. Um, has major backlash depending on where, who the fuck you're around, mm-hmm. um, and also people giving being given opportunities that they would not be otherwise have if they were a different person. Yeah. So let's let's start with the first one. Um, I'm okay. gonna give my take on it real quick, and maybe okay. it's a little controversial. I I personally think that in most circumstances you definitely should not as a man hit a woman because Mm -hmm. and this goes back to biological differences like there is an extreme difference in strength like men because of testosterone develop denser muscle tissue thicker bones bigger hands you can do a lot of damage and typically the average woman would not be able to like there's don't don't get me wrong there's women out there that could kick my ass like ronda rousey no she's putting me on the floor but (laughs) But in general, I'm talking like the average man, average woman. Um, And I think that with it takes some sort of responsibility. The same way as like an adult shouldn't hit a child, right? Absolutely. Because I I totally agree. I'm I'm not, before anyone gets offended, I'm not saying women are children. Um, I'm just saying that like when you, it's the same thing if you were like, if you were like a bodybuilder and, Mm -hmm. you know, there was some pasty little fuck like who was getting in your face. It's your responsibility as somebody who is clearly physically more powerful 
to limit your use of violence. This this goes yeah, down to the like, and this extends into other things too. I I am a firearm owner in the United States, um, and one of the most important things is like when when you go through that and when you get the training for it, like you you have to fundamentally understand you are now capable of a significantly larger amount of force, and so there's a lot of responsibility with that. Like you yeah. need to do everything you can to make sure a situation never escalates. And it's the same yeah, thing so when you're more powerful than someone else, like physically, you should be, it's your responsibility to do everything you can to avoid violence. Hmm. So, so there's but, a couple of things. But my life, so that, but that's, that's 90% of the time. The other 10% woman's coming at you with a knife. It's okay to hit her. Cause then she's using deadly force. Like you should still try to, to limit the harm, but, that's that's my take. Is if somebody's trying to kill you, it doesn't matter if they're a man, woman, whatever. You you can use force to stop them. That's my the end goal. Should always be to limit the amount of damage that's done. Yeah. Well, exactly. You, you don't you don't go in with a bazooka when somebody's coming at you with a knife. But yeah. So that's so, that's my take. Go on. There's two things that kind of um, first of all, when you're talking about like um, obviously a parent should never hit a child. I do believe in the practice of smacked bottoms. Yeah, um, but you don't. That, yeah, you you okay? Maybe like a little little swat to tell them, hey, you know, you did something wrong. But you don't go with a haymaker. No, obviously. So yeah, I was just clarifying this point. Um, I think it's important that kids learn that if something bad, if they do something bad, bad consequences happen. Hmm. And yeah, I think being sent to a naughty step or a quick slap on the wrist um, is is kind of important to tell them that you know. If you start playing in the road, and you get hit by a car, it's going to be a lot worse than getting slapped on the wrist. Yeah, like uh, what, what's worth, like a, a like a light slap on the head or getting hit with a beamer, like. Yeah. So I I, I was just addressing that. Uh, other thing. So regarding hitting of um, of the of, of women is that um, in the past, uh, I used to do when I was very young. I used to do sparring quite a bit uh, mm -hmm. every. Two weeks, I think it was, mm. uh, between my usual like karate lessons and stuff, and that would mean that um, I was actually put in the adult group, even though I was like, I can't remember, I was like ten or something. Holy shit! Because honestly, you I were probably my height when I was when you were ten. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't super super lanky back then, but um, I, I was still a decent size and. Um, so I, I was going up against, in some cases, fully grown men, and in other cases, like, uh, women, who were not fully grown, they were, like, just slightly older than me. Um, and I remember, uh, probably the reason, one of the reasons that I stopped sparring at the time was because I did make someone cry at one point, and it made me feel like shit, and ever since then, I've, I've never punched anyone out of pure anger since then like i it's just it made me feel crap um and i've always found a way of diffusing a situation without it turning to violence since um yeah i've i've heard an argument that like everyone should like get some sort of like it, it's one of the reasons that roughhousing is actually very very good for children mm. um because when you when you're young 
Like, when you're kids, the reason they have so much energy to play and the reason they have that instinct to roughhouse is they are, before they have the power to actually do damage, like before their bodies are fully developed, um, they then are training their minds to co like to deal with that, to go like, okay, this this if I hit someone, they might hit me back, and this is how much... Yeah. It, it, it does very important things to a child's mind, and I think it's it, that's why it's very important. But. Yeah, and I think... So, <laughs> I'm going to make a comparison, which I, I don't want us to go down this rabbit hole too far, but obviously everyone is... The, the, the ever-constant debate that guns shouldn't be allowed in America. I, I get it. I'm not on either one side or the other particularly. I don't know enough about it because I'm not American. Yeah. I... By the same logic, why is everyone okay with sending their kids to do karate? Because <laughs> in karate... You are giving someone the strength to beat another person in physical violence. And I, I, I love karate. I think karate's great. I would recommend it for anyone. Um, they get... When, when you're doing karate, you get proper training and you're told, this is the time when you should use this. Otherwise, do not use it. Unless it's yeah. the last scenario, never use violence. And even then, a lot of um, these martial arts... Like Aikido, which, again, really, really good form of martial arts. Uh, I enjoyed training in it a lot. Uh, it's all just, like, you don't, you never really attack anyone. You never attack anyone. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's all about, like, holds and things like that. And that's the perfect kind, in my opinion, of defending myself. Is If someone is coming at me with a knife and I don't have, like, a fucking frying pan to knock them over the head with, is... The, to get getting rid of the weapon that they've got is always going to be the best option. Like I don't want to hurt them, even if they want to hurt me. Yeah, and I mean that what you just said there about the whole what they taught you in the karate they they teach you the same thing at firearms training courses. Mm. Um, like I had, the they give you before they even let you touch a weapon. It's you know, you they they train you over and over again with fake ones. You know you like. A yeah, to, I think... to never like never point it at a living person. Always keep your finger off the trigger. And then more than anything, they hammer in your head is like you should be doing everything you possibly can to de-escalate a situation. Like the very, very, very last thing that you should ever be thinking to do is to draw. Um, yeah. Part of the problem is though that unlike karate, I guess you don't go back every single week. Yeah. Well, it depends. Um, like I. I mean, a lot of people who um, actually do... Uh, it, it's different in more rural areas, but where I live, um, you know, it, you, you have to get recertified every so many years. There are classes you have to take. Um, mm -hmm. I, I made a point before COVID to be going to the range regularly to make sure that I could operate it, you know, well and responsibly. Um, so... There, there's there's pieces of that to it, but you're right, and especially in more rural regions, um, you know, people use it to varying degrees of regularity. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so the last topic, because we are at yep. 43 minutes. This is going to have to be a special bumper episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the last topic was um, people being given greater opportunities for being a particular way. So whether it's... Uh, I mean, we're, we're focusing on gender, so right now, so at the moment in 
places in the world that are considered more progressed. There are often opportunities available to one gender and not the other. Yeah. And I'm not even going to bother specifying which, because everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, you know, like, like, just come on. Like, I can understand if we're talking about, let's say, in the case of women, let's say um, there's a course that explains about the cycle of childbirth or something. I get why you would only like to have women in that course because other women could feel uh, uncomfortable if there's a man hearing about their internal organs and stuff. I get that. That's fine. <laughs> I just Don't laugh. I'm no, trying to say no, this without being I know, awkward. I know it's my own it's my own mind in my head I'm picturing like, you know, one of those those courses, yeah, where they, they teach like new mothers yeah. what to expect and everything like that. I'm just picturing a guy in the back, like, you know, wearing wearing a fucking T shirt, like drinking a beer. But in ninety percent of circumstances like, I, I, I don't think there should be any segregation whatsoever. And even the course that I just described, I think that would personally be good to have men in there. Because men, I don't know about you guys, but I know fuck all about some things that, like, it's common knowledge for women. And I think that would actually help um, yeah. people to understand the other gender better if that the availability was there. I mean, yeah, and I, I, I know a decent amount, but it's only because of my degree. Like, I had to take quite a few biology courses. Yeah, um, I imagine. <laughs> so I, like, but yeah, the, the layman, um, the average man probably wouldn't know all that much. Uh, I actually remember having a conversation with, um, I'll, I'll tell you that one off podcast. It's kind of gross to be on the podcast. Yeah, but, um, no, I, I think to give another point to kind of reinforce this it's something that has annoyed me for most of my career uh, and it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning about um kind of the the pendulum swinging completely in the opposite direction now uh going through my scholastic and then professional life i mm. remember like seeing all of these like different scholarships and grants and they were all for like you know women engineers and women engineers and and or or like uh, some some other different you know interest group, and I got like <laughs> I think my total financial aid. And mind you, I was like one of the top people in my class in high school. My total financial aid for college was like two grand, and I think the total yeah. cost of my college tuition over the four years was something like a hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Fuck. So I, I took out a lot of loans and, you know, I, I got through it and I eventually paid them off, but I had to live like a monk for a few years after college. But yeah. even now in my professional life, there's like these, um, these special groups. It's like, you know, women in this industry and, you know, women in this, this industry. And there's like, there are these special like organizations where people can do networking, which is huge now. You're more likely to get hired if you know someone than if you... Like are actually qualified for the job because it's easy. People can fake a resume, people can like smooth talk their way through an interview, but if so, they're they're if you it's a complete stranger. There's still a risk that you're hiring, you know, a charlatan. But yep. if you know somebody, then they can and they can vouch for you. Then that that carries a lot of weight in the in mm. the corporate world. Yeah, I believe and, there was a survey that went out, and it was like, uh, everyone's first jobs, did they get it through, like, the normal way, or did they get it through 
knowing a person. Yeah. And like over 50%, it was some crazy number, was because they knew someone who also worked that job. Like my current job is like, it, it's really good most of the time. Um, mm. And I got it because my old boss from my last company, like she moved on, I quit that job and I reached out to her. I was like, hey, do you have any like openings or do you know of anyone who's looking to hire for this kind of a role? And she's like, wow, I actually have something opened up right now. And so, she, like, that's how I got in to have the interview. And, you know, I still had to get through the interviews and had to present my resume and actually have the qualifications. Yeah. But knowing her at this new company got me that, like, that my foot in the door. Yeah, and so absolutely. the fact that they have these professional organizations and these classes and workshops and things specifically for one interest group, mm. I, I mean... My problem yeah, isn't that they exist. My problem is that that no counterbalance exists. Mm. It, it, I, it's not that I, I personally I, I wish that they were just all open to anyone. It's like I, I, you know, I'd prefer like here's a like an engineering networking group, right? Don't yeah. don't base it on gender. Don't base it on race. Don't base it on sexuality. We're just all engineers, right? Or yeah. you know, people who work in marketing, same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But. And I, I think the uh, the ability to get your foot in the door because you know someone, I think that is a good practice. Um, yeah. In the As same way that if, if, like, a kid has grown up and their father works a particular job and the kids always wanted to follow in the father's footsteps, I think they should be given almost kind of a, a slight advantage in that particular field where their father has, like, worked all this time. Because they can mentor him. Yeah. And because they have, like, an actual emotional attachment to the role. Yeah. Like, As, like it's one of those things you have to strike a balance between um, networking and nepotism. Because... The, the person has to still be good for the job, obviously. Exactly, yeah. Because I've, <laughs> believe me, I've worked with plenty of incompetent people that I'm like, how the fuck did you get in here? Mm. I've, I think I may have told this story before, but one of the first companies I worked at there was an intern, and I don't know how he got this job. He, mu he must have known somebody. Because it was, again, it was a pharmaceutical manufacturing facility. And we have layers of clean rooms in these facilities. And yeah. the, guy, the guy was in one of the, the lower level clean rooms, so it wasn't a huge contamination risk. But you have to wear these suits in there and, like, masks and goggles and everything to make sure you don't contaminate the environment. He was in there in a suit drinking a coffee. <laughs> and they, like... And the, the, one of the operators rushed up and was like, what the fuck are you doing? You need to get out of here. And he just, he's like, oh, okay. He just takes another sip of coffee. Like, <laughs> they had to close the whole room down, sanitize everything. Like, production was shut down for a day because of that idiot. Yeah. And he didn't get fired. Jesus. Oh, man. All right, we're, we're already way over on time. But yeah. I, I really enjoyed talking about this, so I didn't want to cut it short. Yeah, I, I absolutely the same. Um... I hope everyone is uh, listening has taken a a fair retrospective. You don't have to agree with our points in any way. I, I'm not saying that, yeah. uh, but I think I hope it just makes everyone think a little bit about it and try and make try try and just make everyday life a little bit easier for people. If if well, they're not trying to be or, or if someone is being an asshole, then yeah. <laughs> I was be, gonna say and if an asshole. Then. And if you disagree with what we've said, any of the points, honestly, um, or agree yeah. with them, you know, or you think that we got something wrong, let us know. I mean, this is mm. th this is 
in a nice, calm discussion kind of way, not screaming at us in a text. <laughs> I'm just gonna get a message. It's all capitals. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. We don't. If if you, it's all like that, then we're probably not going to read it. I'm telling well, you now. Well, honestly, if somebody sends me a text that says "What the fuck is wrong with you?", my response is gonna be a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> that too. All right. Um, uh, let's end it off there. Yeah. This will be the end of the very long segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Uh, hopefully you'll, you enjoyed. Um, keep listening and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment two. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. This is segment two, our media segment. And uh, yeah, Rip Harambe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what Blue decided to <laughs> shout in my ear this time was Harambe. <laughs> um, cool. Gotta add some spice to the beginning of the uh, the segments. That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not spice. It's the wrong word. I hope uh, Harambe is not spicy to people. Uh, it's uh, it was when it happened, but at this point, it's just the meme, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the topic. Yeah, can be spicy. But Harambe himself should not be spicy. <laughs> no, no, he's at most he's paprika. Anyway, some rule thirty-four Harambe for you. Oh God, no. please no. <laughs> Sorry. Also, don't don't look that up, please. I'm begging everyone listening, don't look that up. Um. So yeah, we we not only had a uh, movie night this week, but I also managed to finish that book I've been harping on about for the last couple podcasts, Brave New World. Indeed. Um. And Jesus, it was a dark ending. Wait, so, I thought we were talking about the movie first. We are, no, no, we are talking about the movie first. I, that's, that's, oh, okay. I was, I'm still in the intro. <laughs> I, I, we were talking in the uh, interim there that I was going to... Um, we should probably talk about the movie first because it's a little bit more goofy and lighthearted than the book. Hmm. Uh, the book. This whole segment's going to be very much more lighthearted, I should say, than the first segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were kind of both uh, harping on about philosophy and... Ethics. Yeah, in the first one. Which, ethics actually have a lot to do with the book, too. So, just, anyway, I'm not going to keep going on that. The movie we watched this week was Gross Point Blank. Um, a movie that I, I only thought of because when I was home for Easter, uh, by the way, end of this uh, podcast is the uh, Easter quiz. Look forward to it. Mm. Um, where I'm going to be quizzing Blue. But mm. when I was home for Easter, uh, my dad and I were talking about uh, different movies because we we had just finished watching one that was was pretty good. And um, Gross Point Blank was a movie that came up. Now the premise of the movie it is there's an assassin who is stressed out by the job of being an assassin. Yeah. And so um, at the behest of his secretary, he is convinced to go to his ten year high school reunion back in his hometown. <laughs> At which point he runs into like his the former like love of his life who's still living there and now has like a little radio show and he apparently stood her up on prom night to go off and join the army and then eventually became an assassin. Um, first for the CIA and then independent contractor. And the whole all throughout the movie he's kind of being tracked by two like CIA operatives and then he's also being followed by another couple assassins who are trying to take him down and one assassin who's trying to get him to join a union for assassins and it's just this mm. just this goofy little mix of just all this happens and in the end you know he kills the people following him no, he and, doesn't. yeah he does he doesn't kill the CIA 
Yeah, he does. Well, okay. Yeah, him and him and uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd do. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, it, it's a very casual scene, but they die. Honestly, they do not deserve to have been killed. As much assholes as they were, they didn't deserve to die. Yeah, they really did. Well, there was a lot of that in this movie. I mean, yeah. Um. Anyway, so and then uh, his like his he discovers the person he's been sent to the town to kill because he's he's not only he's there working but he's also there for the reunion was his mm. old like high school sweetheart's father who was going to be testifying in something and he makes the decision then and there to give up being an assassin and defend her father against all this stuff and like throughout this giant gunfight in the house like she like is just basically confused and just wide-eyed and panicked the whole time and eventually like um like he he makes an apology to her after the gunfight's over and she she's got a gun pointed at him and then eventually just closes the door in his face um and but they they get together and um she gives a little monologue about the end at the end it's you know love isn't about uh you know fixing someone or finding the perfect someone it's about you know accepting who they are and moving on and getting out of town. Um, yeah. It was, uh, the first thing I would like to bring up... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Just uh, my, my kind of overall synopsis, at least from my view, is it's a very dark romantic comedy. Yeah. I was going to say, it's a bit of a rom-com. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of rom-com that you could bring anyone along to and they'd still enjoy it, because it's not just... Yeah. Soppiness. There's um, the cute lovey-dovey scenes, and then there's the, you know, massive gunfights and death. I would say even the cute lovey-dovey scenes aren't that lovey-dovey. Like, they do the fucking aeroplane. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> like, that's clearly meant to be a romantic scene, because he's, like, come to her house, and they're like, oh. Yeah, yeah they're reliving times. their old, uh... And then they're just being... I can't say that word. Uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> they're being child... children again. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the, one other thing I want to first bring up is the, uh, as the kids would say these days, the banging tunes that are uh, used oh, throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah, they have really, really good, music good music all throughout. This movie, by the way, yeah. came out in the late 90s, I think. Yeah, to be fair, maybe I just love 90s music in general, I accept that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, really good choices. Um, so much so that the next day, I was humming under my breath, Live and Let Die. And... <laughs> One of my colleagues was like, "Are you are you singing Live and Let Die?" I was like, "Oh yeah, it's because I watched this uh, this film the other day." And he was like, "Ah, oh, I watched that like a week ago. It's one of my favorite films." <laughs> I I was um, talking to my uh, sorry. Finish your finish your thought. Well, no, I was just gonna say. So it's it's funny how like it's clearly a very American film, mm. but even people over here, I, I'd never heard of it before, but apparently it's it's popular here too. Yeah, I was well, I was talking to my when I was talking to my dad about it, uh, he was saying that he wasn't sure if it was just like a, like a guilty pleasure, uh, or if it was a movie that was actually like really good, or if he just remembered it fondly. Um, yeah. But apparently, it, I, I personally think it's just a good movie in general. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the Sonic... I, I would say a guilty pleasure is like Transformers for the action, but it's just a shit film and I know that, but it's still <laughs> kind of like cool yeah. robots. <laughs> Well, that's that's like um, I I actually enjoyed watching the the Twilight movies, um, and uh, yeah? I I know they're not <laughs> they're not that good, but I've not seen them yet. They're I say yet. <laughs> I'm probably not going to see them, but some of the most generic, pedantic, like uh, 
high school love story, but you slap on a veneer of supernatural stuff. Mm. That's how I describe those movies if I were being brutally honest. But for some reason, I just, you know, I, I enjoy having them. They're not a movie I'll sit down and watch, but they're a movie that I'll put on when I'm doing stuff because I just like listening to them. Oh. I don't know why. Because they're not, they're not that good. And the books are, oh. the books are terrible, but uh, yeah, whatever. So you know how um, basically no one's going to the cinema anymore? Not not because of COVID, just because everything's available online. Yeah, everyone's. There was a an actor that made a point about this, but yeah, it's got some film cinemas now have some really good fucking deals. Like I think the one near me, mm. it's like this massive, really cool cinema. Like it's not a small one. It's big. It's impressive. Yeah, and it, I don't know, just the atmosphere of a cinema I've always liked. Mm. Like the smell of popcorn. The, the shiny tiles. All that. Anyway, um, they have, like, I think a deal that's about... It's like £12 to be able to go and see any movie you want as many times as you want for a month. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. It's something ridiculous like that. But... <laughs> I mean, obviously I can't at the moment. Uh, I'm considering doing it with, with um, Alicia at some point. Um, if I mean, if there's good films, if there's just terrible films on them, fuck it. But... In fact, you know what, even then, if you just sat in a bad film, just, you know, I don't know. Well, it wouldn't be yeah. that bad. <laughs> well, so, I actually have, um, so, a few years back, so, I, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, but I have a friend who used to oh, yeah. always drag me to them, and it's not because, like, they don't, they don't bother me, they don't, I think the problem is they don't scare me. Because, like, yeah. I, I sit there and watch, and it's like, oh, this person gets, like, killed because they did something stupid. My thought isn't, oh, my God. My thought is, wow, what a dumbass. Mm. Um, yeah, we discussed before how I'm not afraid of computer games that are horror-related, and you are, but I'm terrified of horror movies, yeah. and you aren't. I think it's because in games, like, I'm actually playing. When, because I've played video yeah. games for most of my life, I think it's wired into my head that when I'm playing a game, like my mind is in that game. What I'm seeing on screen is happening to me because I have full control over what's happening. And so that's why it, it, it scares me. But when I'm watching a movie, I'm completely divorced from what's in the movie. Like, that's not me. Um, anyway, point being, but you're talking about bad movies. I went to see, um, I went to see uh, one with this person and <laughs> it was so awful it was a remake of some old movie it was either like the mist or the fog or something like that it was a remake of an older one mm. and it was just bad it was the only movie i've ever walked out of like we we just left there was a scene where some douchebags were partying on a boat and this one guy survives by hiding in a refrigerator and they're the cops <laughs> the cops are investigating Wait, the boat the next about indiana jones <laughs> no no this is a horror movie <laughs> It was somewhere in, like, Maine, I think, in the, in the setting. Anyway, okay. the cops are investigating, and they open the door, and there's this loud, like, whoo, like, music that plays, like, it's supposed to be scary, and you just see the guy yeah. curled up in there, and he's, like, frozen. He didn't even unplug the refrigerator. He just got inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of, like, being scared, the two of us just fucking laughed at it, and, this is, and we're just like, this I is I imagine so that could probably look really grim, because Frostbite does not look nice, but... <laughs> The concept is very fun. <laughs> I don't know. 
right after that, we just left the theater. I have no idea how it ends. Um, we just went off and mm. did something in the mall next door for a while. But that was that was it. It was so fucking yeah. stupid. Um, we're but, getting way off topic. Yeah, yeah, gross man point. Gross, um, gross, God damn it. Uh, what, what was it called again? Gross point blank. Gross point blank, okay. It's it's there's I mean, several, man points can be pretty gross. There's quite a bit of uh, there's quite a bit of wordplay in there. Like um, his name, his last name is blank, right? Point blank, right. as in you're shooting someone point blank. Yeah, yeah. Gross point is the name of the town. So Who the they, fuck names a town Gross Point? I don't. It's G R O S S E, as in Groza, as in big in German. It's still a shit name. People um, were probably more literal back then. Just regarding the refrigerator argument, right? Yeah. Well, not argument. The when he put the fucking TV on the guy's head and it kept sparking, <laughs> even though it was not connected to the I electricity. Was, oh my god, I was thinking the same thing. So near the end of the movie, like the final person that the main character kills, he smashes him over the head with a TV, and the TV like an old TV, like an old CRT TV, you know, so yeah. big thing, a and. Box. The, and so the TV is stuck on the guy's head, and it's not plugged in, but it's still sparking, and the guy's twitching like he's getting electrocuted, but there, there's no power. And the TV wasn't even on when he picked it up, so there wouldn't have been any power in it. <laughs> well, I mean, there would have been the standby light, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's enough to kill a person through electric shock. No. So, um, it just, that, that was kind of silly. Um, there's a lot of silly things in it. Um, like the Doom scene. Oh my god, yeah. So he has this that that was the song that got stuck in my head the next day was ace of spades there's a scene in midway through the movie where so there's this whole running joke where the this guy the main character is being pursued because he screwed up an assassination like ages ago he used a pipe bomb uh and the the point was the pipe bomb was like in a newspaper and it was supposed to blow up this guy when he when he opened it or something like that unfortunately the guy had a golden retriever who picked up the newspaper and it died Wait, oh, that was what that was. I didn't. That's they why, went through that too fast. That's why they were making fun of him, like throughout the entire movie, and that's why the other assassin was coming after him, the the weird Austrian guy. Yeah, his um, face was weird. His face was really weird, and his eyes were just completely black. So, anyway, yeah. but th- that the that guy um, comes after him, and in like a mini mart, and the <laughs> two of them have this massive gunfight, like throughout this entire mini mart. And he has two full Uzis. How do you miss? Like, it's not like shelves and books are going to stop the bullets. Okay, it's because he's he's dual wielding. Um, actually, going back to the first segment, in the firearms training course I took, um, one of the things they did was to dispel people's perceptions from watching movies. And so they let us try holding... They weren't loaded. They were loaded with uh, gas cartridges. And they had laser pointers to tell if you were hitting on target. And they had us try firing with two pistols and just to show how terribly inaccurate it is like mm. you it it's quite difficult to hit something with a pistol at say like you know anything past five meters like you if you're trained you're probably going to be able to do it pretty well but if you're panicked and running around you're gonna have a hard time but if you're if you've got one in each hand it throws off your balance so badly you're gonna miss everything <laughs> But the number of bullets that went down range, it's hard to miss anything. You're right. Ideally, like, one of them probably should have gotten hit, but they didn't. So they, they're, the two of them are fighting, they're both dual wielding, one guy's got Uzis, one guy's got pistols. And Wait, no, whole... he hasn't. 
No, no, one guy just had pistols. Yeah, he only had one pistol, didn't he? No, they, they were both dual wielding. Oh, okay. Um, so they, 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 they shoot up the whole place. The, meanwhile, the clerk is, there's a, like an old arcade machine with Doom 2 on it. Like the original Doom 2 game. And he's playing that and he's got his headphones on listening to the Ace of Spades, that, that song. And the two of them are just, like, they're constantly fighting and this, this kid doesn't notice because he's, he's really into the game. He's got the headphones on. And then at the end, like, uh, the assassin runs away and the main character uh, <laughs> notices that there's, a, like, some C4 in a microwave. That's not how that works. <laughs> Wait, what? The, the microwave had to get to finish. Yeah, that didn't make any cycle. sense either. <laughs> I was like, what? It's not exploded instantly. Was, mean, yeah, I, okay, there was a comedy thing. He was thing. microwaving C4 and the countdown <laughs> on the good. microwave went to zero and then it blew up and anyway, it's he like saved. He the exact right setting to cook the C4. <laughs> also, I love the, the like, when he, he saves the clerk and I love the clerk's reaction because the guy's just like, are, are, you, are you okay? And he's like, no, man, I'm not okay. I gotta find a new job. <laughs> the whole mini mart blew up. Oh, uh, that that probably very expensive arcade machine with Doom on, gone. Oh my god! Like, imagine how much that would be worth. Well, it, what's even worse is all his high scores are gone. Oh no! They weren't. They, they the... couldn't save them for the cloud. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Oh. <laughs> uh. So like, there's there's plenty of like action scenes like that that are really cool to watch, and some of them are yeah, like kind of goofy and campy. Um, mm. But I loved the way that every time Dan Aykroyd pulled out his dual pistols, he'd do the squat stance <laughs> every single time. <laughs> oh, and the scene when they're in the diner, um, the uh, like the guy's like, uh, you know, I'll have an omelet, only egg whites, no filling. She's like, that, that's that's not an omelet then. It's like I'm not here for a semantic debate. <laughs> the other guy was like only egg yolks or something, wasn't it? Yeah, they they both ordered some very very weird and very specific dish. <laughs> oh god! And then they um, but you know we've we've talked mostly about the assassin stuff, but I also really found um the the scenes between the guy and his old like high school sweetheart kind of very endearing. Like she clearly doesn't she still clearly loves him, right? Still carrying a, a torch for him, but you know it's been so many years, and he did stand her up, and then just disappear. Um, so she's like very hesitant to give him like even remotely the benefit of the doubt. But he does eventually kind of charm her into going to their their reunion. They go there and they meet all of the old people that they they knew from high school, and it it just it was just a very wholesome and really i thought it was good i thought it was like wholesome and kind of sweet just all the, the random people that are clearly not meant to be like it was just i felt so horribly awkward maybe this is the englishman inside of me oh okay yeah maybe it's it's just a different cultural thing but i i watched yeah. that whole scene and i thought it was i actually kind of really i like so uncomfortable well, I mean, I think that's that's part of who he is. He's just he's really socially awkward in general. He's he's diagnosed Englishman. Yeah, yeah. He he was born in the wrong country. Yeah. Uh, but that's I think that's part of his character arc too. Because if you watch throughout the movie, he slowly starts to become a little bit more American. More, yeah, well, more more. <laughs> I was gonna say more stable. 
and more like oh American. okay not american then uh <laughs> stable well he, i mean he's still a murderer i'm kidding i'm kidding um yeah sorry you're saying more stable and more like emotionally like consistent um mm. and i think that's that's his character arc through the movie um anyway, i want to hear about this book we've only got 10 minutes oh god okay yeah fine um last final thoughts on the movie I think yeah, what you said is perfect. Uh, that there's, it, it's a movie that you could probably bring just about anyone to, because yeah, there's like there's crazy gunfights in it, but there's also comedy bits, mm. and then there's also that you know underlying, like um, unconventional romance that goes throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Anyway, now on to a much less amusing topic. Uh, I've been reading over the last <laughs> few weeks the book uh, Brave New World by uh, Aldous Huxley. Actually, Every book. time you say that, in my head I play a whole new world. <laughs> oh god. Every time. Yeah, it's uh, not... So the book not is, quite the same. The book is set, like, uh, several hundred years in the future. Like, I think it's set in, like, the 2400s or 2500s. Right, okay. And essentially what's happened is after some sort of I, this is going to be major spoilers for the book by the way if anyone's interested but it's it's quite a book, good book um although it was written in the 1930s so some of the syntax and uh, is a little bit hard to get used to i actually had to start reading the book in my head in a british accent to actually get it <laughs> to under like because there were some sentences i read them and i was like what the hell is he saying and then i changed I changed my mental voice to a British accent, and I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Translate. <laughs> um, but well, it's set, it like a Cockney kind of thing. Yeah, it's set some, sometime in the future. After some massive apocalyptic war, at one point they, they described the war as them using, like, anthrax bombs and stuff, like, on Jesus, the population. Because yep. this, mind you, was before World War II, but after World War I, where chemical weapons were widely used. Wait, before World War II? I think it was in 2500s. No, 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 when the book was written. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. The book, so that's in that context, that's why I think they're, the author was imagining that the next big apocalyptic war would heavily use chemical weapons. Because nuclear, yeah, nuclear no, weapons didn't exist yet, and World War II hadn't happened yet. Mm. Um... But at the time, like, the, the science of eugenics was extremely popular. The idea of, you know, engineering the perfect human yeah. and stuff like that. Um, or engineering man to fit for purpose. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, in this future world, after that happened, people were so traumatized by the war that they essentially were willing to give up anything for the sake of safety and security. And out of that developed a society that was completely um, scientific, regimented and controlled. Um, not regimented and controlled in the same way that communism regula regulates and controls people. Um, I think there's a way, there's a quote in the book from one of the, one of the, the main, uh, like, one of the really higher up guys is that, um, you know, the best way, uh, we, we, we tried to control the world with bayonets and uh, people resisted. Um, now we find the best way to control the world is, you know, by sitting on our asses or something like that. It's some some phrase like that. I'm not misquoting it, but essentially right. the point is, instead of um, trying to force people to act the way they want them to, 
they administrate and coerce people to act the way they want them to until those people think that this is actually what they want. And then it just becomes easy because they want to be controlled. And then, so that society, as it evolved, kept going on and staying in this perpetual state of perfect security and perfect safety and purely scientific. So, um, for instance, human beings are no longer... First of all, there's a caste system, so higher and lower castes, and people are engineered to purpose. They're no longer birthed naturally. They're grown in artificial wombs, um, and as they're being grown, they, they developed a process called um, bulkanotification or something like that. It's, it's a weird word, but essentially the idea is that they are breeding batches of twins. So they have one embryo and they use some kind of chemical electrical process to cause it to split up to, I think it's like 80 times. And so you can end up with 80 twins. Yeah, cloning. Uh, yeah, essentially. It's essentially cloning, but they, they have like a live embryo. And what they do is before it even starts to divide and become a fetus, they make it into like you know, 80 different embryos. And then they, they right. all become 80 identical feti. Is that a... <laughs> I don't know if that's how I'm supposed to pluralize that. Fetuses. Fetuses. Um, no. Why did you... Why the accent? <laughs> I don't know. It just felt right. Anyway. Fetuses. Uh, so... And typically that's only done for the lower castes. And the lower castes, what they'll do is as their embryos are being artificially um, created, they, they essentially have like a dark room like you'd use to develop photographs because the embryos... <laughs> oh my god, that's an image. <laughs> embryos are, are like um, susceptible to white light, so it's all dark red light. And they... I'm just imagining someone like putting a container with an embryo into like one of those little trays and then hanging them up on the clothesline. That's watching a baby grow out of it. That's essentially what they do. They have these bottles uh. on these conveyor belts that go throughout the whole nine months of pregnancy, um, but it's just on a conveyor belt, and they get nutrient feeds into the bottles and stuff. But Jeez. depending on what cast they're for, and depending on the tasks, so like uh, people who might be uh, working for a mining environment, right? The embryo, they'll give it more food and more sustenance when um, they've turned up the heat in its tank. So in, in that embryotic state, it's trained to learn that heat is a good thing. And so they're good for these hot, dark mining environments. Jeez, and this is very, like, horror set prep Yeah, it, it's, it, again, it's a, it's, it's a very dark future. Um, it also makes me think of the Killing Floor 2 live action. They, they, they also will... Bad. Like, the lower caste, because the lower caste are going to be doing very menial labor, working in factories, janitorial yeah. tasks, things like that. They will essentially purposely deprive them of some oxygen when they're embryos, so that they're, like, purposely, like, stupid when they're born. Right. Um, they'll introduce alcohol into their, like, um, feed tube so that they're stunted when they're born. Uh, all these, again, horrifying things by today's moral standard, but mm. this is, again, a purely scientific society, so they, they don't really have a moral compass anymore. It's just, we, we need a worker who will be able to do this to the best of their abilities. Okay, I will use science to tell me 
what are the attributes this well this worker needs to be resistant to heat it needs to be smaller so it can fit in the tunnels it needs to be less intelligent so that it won't you know rebel or not want to do the work and so on and so on and so again perfectly scientific but morally abysmal right and so i I think about dromogemons (laughs) <laughs> so they eventually they the they get decanted they get you know released from the little bottle that they've that's been their surrogate womb this entire time and then the babies are trained in these giant centers on mass so they there's this one scene where they have the babies uh there's a, a director giving a tour to some like upper caste students this the castes are divided into alpha beta um you know delta gamma sigma and they have different designations and depending on the designation they are designated for different work the alphas are essentially the people who do administrative work the ones that Mm. run these centers um there's they have they're they're not messed with their intelligence in any way but they are hypnotically conditioned uh to kind of fit into this sort of moral worldview um but anyway i I have a sorry. sorry I was going to say, I have a single, uh, particularly glaring issue I see with all of this. And that is that human life is definitely not the most efficient way of doing things. Um, They address this in the book. Okay. Um, So, I'll I'll finish this this scene that I'm talking about, and I'll actually tell you how they address this in the book. Um... So the the scene, like, uh, there's the director of this center where they they make all these babies. Uh, He's no the the center is called the um, the center for uh, it's set in London. The center for hatchery and conditioning. So it's called a hatchery Hatchery, and conditioning center. Jesus, exactly. It's it's all very morally neutral language. There's no. It's a hatchery, not a birth has some sort of a moral weight to it, but a hatchery. You're just you're just opening an egg. Just creating, yeah, creating animals, not people. Exactly, and so he's giving a tour to some students who are, you know, they're they're in the alpha cast, and they will eventually have to do work in a center like this. Right. And so he's showing them this one center, and these nurses, uh, it's it's a teach a conditioning room. They bring out babies that are around crawling age, and they they put them on this strip, and at the end of the strip are flowers and books. And the babies go over, and they, they oh, the colorful pages of the books, there's pictures, the flowers, they're, they're playing with them. And the moment they touch them, they electrify the floor under the babies. Oof. And so then they tell them to go play with them again, and the babies won't touch them. They're afraid of them. Um, yeah. And so the, the director explains that, you know, these, these people are going to be deltas. And deltas are factory workers, so they're less intelligent and a little bit smaller, but... They have some leisure time, and so they they want them to like the whole society is built on the idea that of consumption, right? So that they keep working, so that they keep creating. It's essentially society is formed into a loop, so it's just yeah. always maintaining the status quo. So they they know that they need some leisure time, so they're allowed to go out to the countryside, but they don't want them to enjoy nature itself. They just want them to vacation to the countryside and you know go out there and play golf or whatever sport you know they do and then come back they want them to go out to nature 
and come back. And they also don't want them to have any interest in books or literature or, you know, f higher education because, A, they probably couldn't understand it because their brains have been, you know, messed with. But mm -hmm. B, because there's no purpose behind it for them because they're just going to do factory work. So that that's that's that one scene. And how they address that sort of thing, they actually, in the end of the book... Um, some of the main characters are talking with uh, one of these world controllers who uh, are essentially the alpha alphas, the people who are in charge of administrating this giant machine system made up of humans. Yeah. Um, and he explains that, well, yeah, we could, we could synthetically create, we could make a factory that we could synthetically create all the food we need, all the medicine we need, all the components we need, but then, then we would lose stability. Because, you know, we found that because they, they actually talk about how at one point they experimented with giving the gammas shorter work days because they only really needed to work for three hours, but they were having them work for seven and a half. And they were like, well, we tried making them work for three hours, but all they did was, you know, take take more drugs and didn't really do anything productive and they were less happy. So we just put them back to seven and a half, even though they don't need to work that long. Yeah. So the, the system has purpose-built inefficiencies in it just to stay stable. That still doesn't address the idea of robotics, though. It does because they um, essentially... Well, first of all, robotics was in its infancy when this was written, so... Yeah. There, there's some allowances for that. Um, but the idea being that society hit a certain status quo and it seemed very stable... And so they just, they're only making minor tweaks. They do, they, they reveal at the end of the book that there are experiments they did. Like, they tried to make a society that was entirely made up of alphas, essentially. So humans that were genetically, like, peak, they were essentially conditioned to not die of disease and stuff like that. They had good physiques, good immune systems, um, and they had full intelligence. And they tried, they essentially evacuated the island of Cyprus, they say, and populated it entirely with alphas and saw what would happen and it devolved into a chaotic civil war that killed 20,000 of them um, and so they, they abandoned that idea and they, they, they said they tried something else to use the um, uh, automation example you had they, they said they like tried that in Ireland and um, the same like it had a disastrous result that was one where they, they lowered the workforce's hours and it just went badly um, but you just wouldn't need to breed as many, was my point. Like, and that's, that's you just don't need the human component. That's possible. Um, the but the point that the guy makes at the end of the book is that they don't make these changes because they um, they've reached stability. So progress is done at like glacially slow paces. Hang on. So, what is the actual story? Because obviously, the world has been set very. That that's the world. Okay. So, I'm. I wanted to set the world first, and then I'm going to tell okay. the story. So, the story centers around three major characters. Well, three and a half. There are two main characters and two characters that I would describe as kind of supporting characters. Yeah. Um, the two main characters are uh, this guy named John and this guy named Bernard. So Bernard is the first character we're introduced to, and he is an alpha plus. Um, they, they have like plus and minus designations, depending on how well they... Because they do get educated still, 
And so that's how they become like an alpha plus or an alpha minus or a beta plus or a beta minus. Yeah. Um, and so he is actually working at this hatchery and conditioning center. And he works as a, a hypnopedic psychologist. So essentially he's in charge of designing the hypnosis therapy that is given to all the kids as they're growing up in this center to essentially teach them uh, like class class consciousness, um, what the proper like moral things to do are, um, you know, how to treat other people. And when but their their idea of morality is very, very different from like the modern one. It's it's essentially like a morality based around things being impersonal and things being sterile. So yeah. he is he's weird because there's a rumor going around throughout the book and it's kind of a joke because he's unlike most of the alphas he's a little bit stunted and kind of weak uh whereas most alphas are supposed to be like you know taller and more muscular and for some reason he's like you know short and scrawny mm -hmm. and so he starts to be like in this world where everyone is just happy they're just happy and content and nothing really challenges them he doesn't he kind of um becomes aware of himself as an individual because the world like because he he's in this alpha cast but he can visibly see that he is different from the average alpha and so he he becomes unhappy and he gets annoyed that his coworkers are messing with him and there's a rumor going around that when he was an embryo, somebody put alcohol by accident into his, you know, his blood thing, which made him stunted. Um, mm. And he... Sorry if you can hear trumpets in the background, by the way. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I can't, actually. Okay. <laughs> so eventually he, uh, like, he has, he has a crush on this one girl, but also the way relationships work in this, there's... There's never allowed to be any sort of particular relationship. People are encouraged. Open relationships. Yeah, everyone, it's always an open relationship. Like, you, like, uh, there's actually another supporting character, this woman named uh, Lenina. Um, she's actually being mocked by one of her friends because she's been going out with the same guy for, like, two months. It's like, what's wrong with you? That's, that's weird. It's considered, like, socially awkward. Like, she should be seeing different... Uh, people, and even she acknowledges, oh, it, it, this is weird. You know, he's been seeing other girls. I should be doing the same thing. And so she goes out with this guy Bernard, who has a crush on her, uh, and she gets made fun of that too because it's like he he doesn't really look like an alpha. Why are you why are you bothering with him? Anyway, the the date that they end up going on is to what they call a savage reservation, essentially. And these are areas of the world that's explained, and there are several of them which don't have they, they 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 have no economic worth so they were never developed so within them you essentially have people who still you know have old world beliefs exactly like old world religions old world um beliefs old world family structures where people are born instead of decanted um mm. and sometimes people will vacation there just to to see how these weirdos live um, and so they go there, and what they discover is that one of the, that, that there is, like, this is, this particular one is in, like, New Mexico, I think, and so, uh, the people who are in there are, like, descendants of the Pueblo tribes, um, 
because apparently that that area that region was a desert so there was no reason for them to like civilize it essentially as they use mm -hmm. the term in the book they they describe everything that's not their perfect machine world as uncivilized mm, inefficient yeah and so they go there, and what they discover is that the director of the hatcheries, who, by the way, takes a serious disliking to Bernard, and is thinking of transferring him to some remote outpost in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, they discover that he, when he went there on vacation, had actually lost track of the girl he was on vacation there with, and she had somehow become pregnant, which is, they take all these steps to make sure it doesn't happen, they, you know, it's, it's considered, like, you you have to Severe. all the all the girls actually carry it's considered fashionable to carry like a birth control belt essentially um right. and you know they she somehow something went wrong she got pregnant she ended up having a kid so but she she gets lost on this trip uh with him years and years ago and ends up with these uh this tribe and um ends up having his kid the the director's Mm -hmm. And then 20 years later, Bernard and Lenina, like, go there and they encounter her and the kid. And Lenina is just absolutely revulsed by this person because they don't have old age in the rest of the society. They use hormone treatments and stuff to keep people looking perfectly young until they hit, like, 60 and <laughs> die instantly. Yeah. Just they, they look perfectly young and then just suddenly they're dead. Um, again, efficiency in the world. And so not being used to old age they see old people in this this camp and they're just like what the hell is what is wrong with these people mm. and um so they they encounter her and she's like so happy to finally see someone from the the civilized world again and her son is older and he's kind of grown up knowing about this outside world but it, she's like his mother's described it as kind of a dreamlike fantasy world and so he doesn't really know what it's like but he wants to see it right but he's also okay. been raised by this Native American tribe who have kind of instilled in him the kind of morality that we have now where, you know, you know, hard work and perseverance are a good thing and that, you know, they've taught him, you know, religion and, you know, this, this idea of the beauty of nature and all this other stuff. And so he has both of those aspects. And Bernard, seeing this as an opportunity to kind of undermine the director and get him not to transfer him to bumfuck nowhere, decides he's going to make a call to the, the, the upper guy, the world controller, and go like, don't you think this is of scientific significance? We could bring them back and study them and see how, you know, somebody who is, uh, has, has come back and is now experiencing civilization for the first time, how they'll react. Yeah, that's fucked up. And he does it as a, a shrewd political move. But again, they don't have... This is, like I said, a purely scientific society. It's not... Mm. Morality isn't a thing. Their, their version of morality is purely... It's an engineered morality. That, Do you not think that would alienate the main character, though, from the audience? I don't think this was meant so much as... Well, he, he has a character arc. I'll get, I'll get to that. Okay. So they do bring him back, and this is where you're introduced to the second main character, John. He's the son. Um, and in fact, they call him John the Savage throughout the rest of the book. And most, most people very politely refer to him as Mr. Savage. Um, anyway, they get back, and people are disgusted by um, the woman, uh, the older woman. And she essentially... Oh, this is a good thing I have to mention. 
Um, they they've essentially gone away, done away with all other like forms of intoxicants and developed uh, essentially the perfect drug. Uh, they call it Soma. Essentially, it is a tablet that if you take like one tablet, you'll get like a light buzz. If you take two tablets, you'll feel a bit intoxicated. If you take like three or four tablets, then you'll kind of, excuse me, go on what they call a Soma holiday. Essentially, you're going on like an acid trip. Yeah. But then you wake up in like, uh, you know, eight to 12 hours. No ill effects, no hangover, no bad effects on your body or anything like that. So, essentially, and, and they're encouraged whenever somebody has some kind of a negative emotion or they feel angry or upset or unhappy, just take a little tablet of Soma and you'll feel better. Yeah. And it's it that's that's how this social machine that they have created stays on the tracks. Is that every Something time like there's that. a little like a little human element that gets weird, just take a little bit of Soma. Kind of like that game, um, The Happy Place, is it called? Mm. Uh, we Happy Few, I think. We Happy Few, yeah, you're right. Um, do you want to explain that quickly? Because I, I never played it, I've just seen people play it. Yeah, We Happy Few is actually a similar premise to this one. I think it's based on the same concept. Uh, it's set in a dystopian future Britain, um, where essentially everyone just takes... You're supposed to take this medicine every single day, and it just... It makes the world around you seem happily happy and flowery and good. Mm. Um, that's that's a pretty good synopsis. And your one ca- your main character in the game kind of goes off the rails a little bit and starts to see the world how it really is. And um, yeah, there's there's islands where the happy, nice, normal, civilized people live, and then there's the downer islands where people are all like depressed because they don't want to take the pill, or they've gone like crazy because they've taken too many of the pills. Yeah. And so they kind of get rid of those people on those um, islands. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. so going back to this, so they go back, um, and the reason I brought up Soma is because the the mother, she is so traumatized for, by her time outside of the civilized world, because she's been purely conditioned to exist in this world, but has to exist outside it for a while. She just takes a fuckload of Soma and just stays high all the time. And it's it's weird that the scene is a little bit unnerving because the son is clearly concerned. The doctor's like, yeah, you know, it's probably best for her. And she's only going to, you know, th- this will kill her pretty quickly. But, you know, it, it's it's for the best. And the son's like, what? Like, shouldn't we try to stop her? Like, shouldn't we try to help her in any ways? And the doctor's just confused. He's like, why? <laughs> like, he's like, she, you know, it, I could see if she had some some important work to do, but she has no work and she wants to take it. So... It's best for everyone. And, like, the son is, you know, horrified by this, but that's this society's opinion. Because, again, from a purely scientific perspective, that's true. She's not part mm. of the machine. She's not going to contribute. The longer she stays alive, she's going to use up resources. She doesn't want to work, and she wants to take the Soma, and she, that's going to get her out of everyone's hair quicker. So this is clearly the best way to go. That's, again, the scientific perspective, but from a moral perspective, obviously that's a horrible way to look at it. So the story continues with um, uh, Bernard kind of showing the savage off to high society, and suddenly he's popular. Suddenly, despite the fact that he's stunted and doesn't really look like an alpha, he's treated like the alpha that he actually is. Mm. And... um, yeah, that, that scene goes on for quite a while. Eventually, the savage John goes like, 
you know, I'm not going to deal with this shit anymore. He hides himself in his room. He becomes just fed up with this this version of society and doesn't like it anymore. But he also yeah. falls in love with Lenina, the girl that Bernard took out on the date. Um, and there's this really poignant scene where he's trying to express to her how much, like, you know, his feelings for her. It's like, I want to do things for you. I want to, you know, like, I want to want to build something i want to i want to get you something i want to do something of value and she just doesn't understand it she's like well i have everything i i need you can just you know buy me something if you want to but just completely yeah. confused by it and um this this makes me want to talk about that book every time you bring up this book i want to talk about the other book every single fucking time we're already stra strapped for time um, I know. Yeah, sorry, yeah, wind up. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll kind of wind through the last little bits. Anyway, she, cool. like, just perfectly, like, eventually he tells her that just in a, at a, a moment of, like, frustration, he goes, he says he loves her. And she just, like, she's like, oh, great. I like you, too. And then she takes off all her clothes and tries to sleep with him. Because in her mind, that's, like, she doesn't even that's recognize means, yeah. the difference between the word love and like. It was just, like, oh, he likes me too. What do I do? Just like, oh, you know, I just, I guess I'll sleep with him. Like that, because they don't have any particular monogamous relationships in this society. It's all, and it's done so that no strong emotions ever form. No passion ever forms. No anger ever forms. Mm -hmm. So people are, their emotions are always just kind of in the neutral wavelength. Anyway, he gets very angry at this he's he's furious at her because um he realizes that it's it doesn't mean anything to her and he's like you know young passionate boy and just lets the anger get the best of him and shouts at her and she she runs away because she's not used to people being angry um anyway that that goes on Bernard and his best friend, this other guy, who I haven't mentioned him, but his supporting character, his name is Helmholtz. And right. he's like, think like the epitome of the alpha in this society. He's big, he's muscular, he's extremely joke. intelligent. Um, but because he's so much more intelligent than the people around him, he's had the same problem as Bernard. He's started to recognize that he is an individual. Like, he's different from the other alphas. And so the two of them form this this interesting friendship dynamic. Um, and so the three of them, John, Bernard, and uh, uh, Helmholtz, all, like, you know, become friends. Um, there's this scene where uh, John's mother is dying in the hospital. And he's disgusted. Like, she dies, and she, he's disgusted because a nurse is bringing a tour of 80 Delta twins through the hospital. And they're all these young kids, and what they do is they put them through death conditioning. So they bring the kids to the hospital where people are dying, and they they let them wander around and look at the people dying, and they give them treats like eclairs and sweets and things like that, so that they they begin to associate death with pleasant feelings, yeah. so that they aren't they're, they they die in a very happy kind of state, right? Mm -hmm. And John is so like completely disgusted with this he describes the the delta twins as maggots crawling over the corpse of his mother yeah um he he goes out and he sees them giving like the rations of the soma drug to the delta the the older deltas in the hallway and he just he flips out and he just he starts shouting at them it's like what are you don't 
Don't you want to be free? This drug is poison. Like, be men. And um, Bernard and Helmholtz, who's with him at the time, get a panicked call from a guy at the hospital going like, the savage is down here. He's going crazy. Yeah. And they find him standing next to a window having grabbed the box of the Soma tablets and just tossing them out the window and, like, punching at the Deltas who are, like, getting angry that he's taking their drug away. And they have very different reactions. Bernard, like, pussies out and tries to almost slink away, but he feels guilty, so he tries to come back in and help his friend, but then he gets pussies out and gets guilty again. Helmholtz, on the other hand, goes, like, it's like, yes, this looks like fun, and charges in and just starts punching the Deltas <laughs> with John. And the two of them, like, and just the idea of this, this you know, big, burly guy who's, like, essentially, he's been looking for something to make him feel alive his whole life. Mm. And then he's like, ah, a fight! <laughs> and just starts yeah. fucking throwing haymakers at all these little twins. Um, Jesus. Like they're not they're not kids, but they are stunted. So they're like you know, think like a four foot five dude. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so they all get in trouble, and this this brings us to the end of the book, where they get brought into the study of one of the world controllers. Uh, essentially, there's like ten people around the world that are essentially the administrators of this giant machine. Yeah. And he has a long intellectual conversation with them, where he explains a good chunk of the world that I talked about earlier, and he. Um, he essentially tells them that, you know, when you come to this state, you have two choices. You can go into the college and potentially become a world controller like myself. And he reveals that he actually got into a lot of trouble because he started looking into forbidden science. Things that were dangerous, that could dangerously progress or change the stable balance that they've maintained. Yeah. Or you can go to an island. They put people, they essentially have these isolated islands that are people who are kind of it's the variable faction, yeah. Yeah, people who are, are too in individual, and so they're the variables, and they throw them out. Um, so John and, or sorry, Bernard and Helmholtz, they choose to go to an island. Uh, he refuses to let the savage go, because he's like, you're still part of our scientific experiment, we can't let you go. And so the savage decides he's going to go out to an abandoned, like, lighthouse, and just live there, and try to become, like, self-sufficient, and dig up farmland and stuff, and the fact that he's out there doing these things like people see him out there and he's such an oddity yeah. that everyone like oh we want to go see the savage and Places so the water. he ends up attracting a huge audience and uh, essentially he becomes such a spectacle he feels like he's just an object in a zoo and eventually right. at, the, at the end of the book he just hangs himself Oh jeez, I thought you guess he would become like a prophet and slowly guide people into a nope. different age. That well, honestly, that's that's kind of how I thought it was going to go. Yeah. But um, no, the book, the, like I said, the book has a really dark ending. He like Jeez. he just Helmholtz and Bernard end up on the Falklands Islands, like just isolated and away from everyone. And uh, John ends up killing himself because he realizes he's just uh, a specimen in a zoo. Crikey! So. Well, Dark ending, uh, but a really fucked up vision of the future. Yeah. And holy shit, this went even longer than the first segment. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet. I think the first segment was like 52 minutes. We're at 40. Oh, God, We're you're at right. 54. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. This is going to be happy one hell of a big. Uh... This is podcast. gonna be this is gonna be a very long podcast. But you know what? It is. Now that I'm not uploading yeah, no, them in individual fine. parts, fuck it. Let's go over every cool. time. Not every time. 
<laughs> we got a lot of talk about this time. It's a good thing. Yeah. Indeed. But all right. So what did you? Um, what are your thoughts on that? You've kind of like um, interjected a few times over, uh, like over the course. But uh, I, I just, yeah. I, now that you get the see, whole, picture. I really want to make comparisons to the um, Ben Elton book, because um, particularly around the, the the love scene thing, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of very similar things happen, and I I, I so so much is similar that I'm like surely one of these books are based off of the other. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's basically if a book goes over taboo um, scenarios, it makes it interesting. And both of these books go over a lot of taboo scenarios, just simply based on the the ideology of one way of living. Yeah. Well, I I um, just I'm thinking of. Um... A lot of the things that that predicate the society in this book are things that are starting to show, like they're starting to appear in social norms now, like the inclination to say instead of mother or father to say parent, because it's a very neutral word. Yeah, because a parent it's doesn't. Know, and but in the in the book, like they they make a point that mother is considered a slur and father is just an obscene joke. Like, the idea that you would give birth to somebody, that you would have that kind of a close familial relationship, it's just obscene, is what the mm. word they use often. Yeah, well, um... Cool. What, what book are you moving on to next? Oh, I don't know. i got to figure out something. I actually went back to the audiobook, uh, The Formic Wars. Um, uh -huh. uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll probably keep going through that, because I'm on the fourth book now. Um, I, yeah. I know I talked about the other ones a while back. But yeah, no, I just it was it was a just a great book, and I didn't do justice to a lot of the bits because um, the the author does an extremely good job of demonstrating how completely they they've essentially taken what is a human being, and a human being is a it it's a free radical, it's a random element, it's something yeah. that is both a product of their genes and a product of their environment. And this it's a society... It's milkshake where anything could be inside, and they've made it vanilla. Ex they, they've taken... Exactly. They've taken this human being, and they've controlled its genes, and they've controlled its environment, so mm -hmm. that now you get a, a, like a standardized product. And like, what, are, what am yep. I getting? I am getting a Delta mine worker every time. What am I getting? Yep. I'm getting, you know, a, a beta administrator every time. And it's... It's so. It's essentially stripped humanity of all, like, of all innovation, of all beauty, of all anything that is Creativity, ethereal yeah. outside of the scientific realm. Hmm. So, very, very bleak future. Uh, but I won't push us over any further. Because um, <laughs> we still have the quiz to do, and those actually usually go long, yeah. too. I don't think it'll be as long as these segments, but yeah, let's wrap it up real tight. Okay, um, that's going to be the end of segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Uh, and you know, if if you, this kind of book, if you thought that sounded interesting, let us know what you think. Does that sound as bad as I really think it is? But yeah. And if you've heard any other any other books that are similar in aspect, we would love to hear about them because we do take an interest in these kind of things. Yeah, and it'll give us something else to talk about in a future podcast. 
Mm. Anyway, we'll call it there. This is going to be the end of segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment two. Three. Three. Fuck. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast, and a special treat for this quiz segment in this extremely long episode. We've got Blue and myself on stream at the same time. Took a long time in the middle to try and figure out how the fuck we are going to do this, but we've done it. We've got us <laughs> both here. changing outfits because I felt insecure. <laughs> <laughs> he even made his bed. I mean, look how pristine it is. Anyway, so the theme of this quiz, it is me being the quiz master this segment, um, and I am quizzing him on Easter. Since it's mm. uh, still April, and this was the holiday of the month, um, me being Catholic, I thought it you know maybe appropriate yeah. that I, I quiz him on this. And it um, is kind of my favorite holiday of the year. Mm. Candy, bunnies, eggs. Exactly. Bunnies, the cutest pet you can have. Chocolate, the best food you can have. Uh, and a free holiday. I told you one of my uh, coworkers got a, a little bunny, right? She's been sending pictures to us constantly. Yes, yes, I remember asking for them. She did a like a little Easter photo shoot uh, with it. Mm. Anyway, <sighs> so uh, because this has already been so long, let's just jump right into it. Yes, I've got my little notepad it's here. Be like the first time we haven't had the longest segment be number three. Right, it's be the shortest segment. Yeah, normally we go over on that, but honestly, segment two was the longest. I don't think it, that's ever happened before. Um. So, going right into it. Okay. Um, Have you got time already? No, I don't, because I've already got like 8 billion devices open. Where's my phone? Son of a biscuit. Oh, wait. Here we go. Flip phone. I mean, I could do it if you... This um, is a stopwatch. <laughs> you held it sideways, you flicked open, I was like, is that a knife? <laughs> and then you turned it right. <laughs> Here we go. Stopwatch. Got it. Oh, wow, that's a really old phone. Holy shit. It, it really is. This is my personal phone. My work phone is a smartphone. <laughs> this this is my ideal phone. It makes phone calls and I can send texts, but I don't have to deal with any of that other bullshit. I got a computer for that other bullshit. Anyway. I like how I was worried about making my bed, but just look at the table behind you. It's yeah. just covered in crap. <laughs> yeah, I've got, like, there's a few books. There's a PlayStation game. There's a hammer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you sit on the floor when you're accessing the back PC? I just uh, realized, because the keyboard's on the table, like, you'd sit on the floor cross-legged. No, but I... So that PC is used for, like I was saying in the interim, just, like, Background alternate... Stuff, yeah, yeah. Re recording. So I basically have the keyboard just to <coughs> do a couple things and log in, and then I put the keyboard off to the side. Uh, okay. I was going to say, because that's brilliant, like, cause I'd love to sit cross-legged while I work. Hmm. Especially on, like, a nice carpet. Anyway. That's enough about our personal living environments. Um, Indeed. So, I just realized I'm trying to see around the mic to see my notebook. <laughs> So, um, the Easter, the date of Easter is variable each year. Um, do you mm. know why it's, it's variable and why the date, uh, that it's at is like, so what's, what's the reason that it, it, it changes from year to year? Um, um minute on the, somebody just uh, sent me a text message. Minute on the clock. Go. Okay. Uh, Easter is so, so it follows on from. Um, Good Friday, and obviously the Friday won't be the same every year. Uh, am I, I, don't give me that face. That, that... You're making assumptions. Uh, I, I, God, I don't know enough about this. Like, so it was Hot Cross Monday, and that's Good 
Friday, and then it's like two days later because that's how long Jesus took to wake up again. And then he came out into the bars and was like, hey guys, next one's on me. Uh, so I'm going to say, yeah, because it has to be on, the, the previous occasion has to be on a Friday and it has to be two days later, so it would not be the same date every year. Yeah? Uh, uh, you, oh, I got the wrong, the wrong time of year, I was like, no, I feel no, like you, I'm back you've, you've basically gotten, I mean, you're right, it's always on a Sunday, um, hmm. but the Sunday it's on is different every year. And the reason it's different every year is because it's based on the Roman uh, lunar sol solar calendar. Um, they, they, the Roman calendar has like a variable. It's it's based on the like the full moon from like a certain point. There, believe me, I thought this was an easy answer until I started researching it to write this quiz, and I was like, "Holy shit!" There was. Is like, it more relating to like the beginning of summer then? Beginning of spring, essentially. Beginning of spring, sorry. Yeah. So and so that's why okay. it's based on like the transition. I went down the religion route. <laughs> the moon and the sun. It's religious reasons. It's supposed to be. Um, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that road because that's a later question. Oh Jesus! Great, another one I'll get wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you don't have yeah. a beverage, but if you did, okay. oh shit, yeah. Oh fuck yeah, I don't. It's arriving tomorrow. <laughs> if you did, um, this would be on you. This is true. I'll have to keep tally and then have a have a drink tomorrow. Um, I would like to say Kaiser said before we started that this is going to be a particularly tough quiz. Yeah, there's there's a lot of I. I it's because when I started researching, I was like, really, for a lot of these questions, because I wrote down the questions before I knew the exact answers. I knew a lot of the answers in mm. general, but so here's a little bit of an easier one. Uh, name okay. a popular Easter tradition. There's, there's a few, but name one. Uh, Easter egg hunt. There you go. I would have also accepted coloring Easter eggs or laying a basket with eggs in it. What's the one where you get, like, a, an orange and you stick wooden sticks in it with candy on them? I have no idea. I've never done that. It's like a church thing. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've never done it. I gotta do a quick look up while you. Uh, Maybe it's a you know, Anglican church thing, uh, but yeah, you got that one. So this is me. Okay. So why? Oh, so I, I'll I'll wait. Because you're sorry. Uh, Chris Dingle is the one that I was thinking of. Chris Dingle. Yeah, I, that's. I don't think that's a thing in the U.S. Or if it is, it's not uh, a thing around me. Many British children stick sweets on cocktail sticks, stick them in an orange, put a candle on top, and gather together. That is Chris Dingle. Ah. Sorry. Uh, it comes from some German person, an attempt to get children to think about Jesus. <laughs> stick sweets in an orange and think about Jesus. <laughs> what a tradition. Uh, yeah, sorry, anyway. Um... Sorry, just on the podcast, uh, for the people who are wondering why I'm looking down and texting into my very primitive phone, uh, my cousin just got out of surgery and it uh, went well. Mm. Goodly, goodly. And I just, What's I, he thinking about Jesus? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I did appendicitis. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so the next one. Why... Good. Do uh, why is why is it a tradition to color Easter eggs? 
why is it a tradition to colour Easter eggs? Yeah. My initial thought would just be to get the children involved and get them into Jesus. But it's not going to be that easy. Um, I can give you a hint. You've got 30 seconds left. That's the hint? No, I can give you a hint. I paused it at oh, 30 give, seconds. Give me a, give me a hint. <laughs> um, the hint, it is quite an ancient tradition. Ancient in terms of Catholicism, though, so it, at, at most it's 2,000 years old. Oh, man, my mind went straight to, like, these to paint the blood of their enemies on the eggs, so that... What? Why aren't you laughing? Is that real? You've got 20 <laughs> seconds. Fertility? Or something? New life? The blood of Christ? Oh, Boom! You yeah. got it. Are you serious? The blood of Christ. It is. Oh it is to. There. It's in reference to Christ bleeding out on the cross. Yeah. Jesus, that's morbid. Do they still eat the chocolate after? <laughs> it's normally chickens' eggs. Um, but yeah, no. It started. In, actually, um, do you want to guess where it started in the world? Uh, um. I mean, I, I'm assuming that the people that took Jesus. No, wait, I, I, I don't know, the, the, the Christians started it when yeah. they were trying to commemorate Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, it actually started in ancient Mesopotamia pretty soon after the death of Christ, and uh, they, they decided that they were going to symbolically paint the eggs and have them as a celebration. But yes, because okay. eggs, you're right, eggs, symbol of death and rebirth yeah. in ancient cultures. Um, okay, so uh, next question. Okay. Uh, where did the tradition of you, the the Easter bunny, like, an, uh, where did the tradition of a, a rabbit come from? Uh, so I was actually thinking about this earlier. So it's specifically, like one of my go to on. questions. Specifically, what region? Um, I, I won't set the timer until you go on. Until I go on. Well, you you were just saying something. Oh, I was saying I, I was thinking about it earlier, and I was like, it's one of the go to questions about Easter. Uh, and I want to just say it's because, like, rabbits are, you know, breeding like rabbits. It's a thing. It's like r a fertility thing again. But I don't think it is. Um, because otherwise it wouldn't be on this quiz again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting the timer. So where okay. did the tradition... Uh, and when I say where, I mean, like, where geographically did the... Probably Germany. Not even one... 68 milliseconds and you got it. It was actually Germany. Often Germany comes up with this stuff. I have no reason as to why. Just <laughs> probably Germany. You're right, it was Germany. Okay. Um, so, um, as a bonus question, do you know what some of the alternative animals in... Because there are regions where rabbits are seen as pests. And so, yeah. um, in those regions, do you know some of the alternative animals that were used uh, back in the day? My mind went to raccoons and guinea pigs, but I don't think either of them the answer. No. Uh, this is a bonus question, by the way, so no no harm, no foul if you don't get it. I, I would say puppies, but then, like, everyone would want the puppies, so I don't think it's that. If there was an Easter uh, puppy, I think it would be a much more popular uh, thing. Popular. Popular, yeah. <laughs> um, ooh. Goose. You're not too far off. Uh, cranes, oh. foxes, and storks. I'll take it. 
I mean, okay. I don't know why foxes, because they seem often more pets than rabbits, but so, pets, so we, pests. We, we talked about the date each year. Um, mm. uh, you know what? This this question is kind of shit in hindsight. Um, oh. But I th- this may just be an easy give for you. Um, oh, I take any easy question you can supply. So, what what is the, the range of time that Easter can occur within? So, like, between what kind of... And I'll, I'll take it within, like, plus or minus, like, five days. Okay, then I'm going to say... The... The beginning of April? So April 1st is your your first point, and then after? What's the end point? Well, no, 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 so, like... So, range of time. The last so, five days of, of March and the first five days of April. Wrong. Fuck. So, it can, depending on the branch of Catholicism, or in Eastern Orthodox, I mean, like, branch of Christendom, because there's Catholicism, okay. there's Protestant, and there's Eastern Orthodox. I'm feeling very dumb today, I like this. <laughs> you've, you've got most of the questions right so far. Have I? Yeah. I thought I got you, one right. You got, no, you, guess. you got three right so far. I've asked you five questions, and you've got three of them right. Oh, damn. Okay. Um, so, you got the German one right off the bat. You got the tradition one right off the bat. I guess. Uh, you, got the, tr- uh, you got the origin one also right. And the only ones you got wrong was why the date, which that was a really hard one, and this one. And this one, the, re- the, the range of dates, it can happen anywhere from, like, March 28th all the way to, like, May 5th. It's a huge so range of So I wasn't wrong. Dates. No, 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 you said you said late March to early April. Yeah, because you said five days either side. So I no, no, I said I, I said I'm day. giving you a five day margin for error. So if you said basically what you said was April first and you March... wanted me to give you an array and I gave you a single number. Okay, I did, well that's yeah. bullshit. I'll give you half credit because oh. you didn't understand the question. Hmm. If only you weren't such a dumb. Was what you were thinking. <laughs> I, just, I, I jotted these questions down like this. Oh. I also got to read my own handwriting. This is, this is difficult work here. Oh, what a tough job. <laughs> okay. So uh, this one, I think, is a fairly easy question. Okay. Um, uh, what, what is the, uh, the meaning, the religious meaning behind Easter? Rebirth. Of Jesus. There you go. That's right. Fairly, I tried to Should have done that one first. That was easy. I put in, so I I try to mix them in, like easy, hard, easy, hard. I like to, I like to get some drama in there. Am I about to get it hard then? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so what do the Easter baskets and eggs represent? I feel like, again, the eggs are about rebirth. Yeah. And? The baskets are a useful receptacle for rebirth. God damn it. I'm not going to go like super obvious and say it's like, it's the feminine reproduction cycle. When, when, when new like life... Oh, I, just gave you the, I just gave you the answer. It's new life and rebirth. Essentially, it's, it's a symbol of renewal. Re- Those are the same things. No, they aren't. Oh, okay, rebirth. Okay, rebirth and new life, life essentially. So, uh, okay, but you you yeah. got it. You got it. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's that's me. 
What? I like your little red cup. Thank you. It's a uh, it's it's a sake set that I had. It's um, a sake set. Like they had like a little sake decanter and then the little yeah. cups. I like them. I got them back in high school. I've had them forever. Um, so, what were the names of the famous uh, jewel encrusted like uh, Russian eggs made for Easter? Day eggs? Wow, you got that before I even got the time to find yeah. the timer. Fuck it. I didn't even have the chance Man. to pour more rice juice. Because I've stolen them in Payday 2, and I've watched someone steal them in Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I should have known that that would have been easy. Alright, things are getting harder now. I hope so. I've got more questions we've ever got right before, and you said this was a hard quiz. <clears throat> Where did the name Easter come from? Easternalia. I don't know, that was just a word that came into my head and I said it. <laughs> Do you want to keep going? You've, you've still got a 40 seconds. Uh, Easter, uh... Uh, maybe something to do with the East, like, often... Bethlehem? In the East? Is that your final answer? <laughs> I assume not, because... Uh... You've still got 30 seconds. East, East, East. <laughs> It was actually originally called Yeaster because of all the yeast on the eggs. <laughs> Fifteen seconds. <laughs> um, oh, Easter. Uh, there's all the guess. I can't think of anything else. So I, I would have accepted a few different, um, like, kind of half answers for this. Um, okay. But you didn't get any of them. Um, <laughs> it comes from the Anglo-Saxon god Oystere. And her symbols were the hair and the egg, and she was the god that foretold the coming of spring and rebirth. What what god was this from? Uh, ang it's Anglo-Saxon tradition, so Anglo German transplanted to Eng to England. Um, it's always the German. I should just say the Germans for every answer. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 god's name was Oystere. E O S T R E. Okay, I'm surprised they didn't do oysters then instead of eggs. But her symbol was the hair and the egg. Mm. So, bunny. That's that's really like, God. So so what God? Yeah, I'm the hairy egg one. Th this one you may have to guess on, and I, I was running out of ideas at this point, so I I, okay. I may have um, I'm reading these completely out of order. But this is this okay. one. I mean, bear in mind, most of my quizzes have nothing to do with the theme. So th this one is going to um, you may this is maybe a guessing game, but. I guess in game you can do based on stereotypes. How many U.S. states to the nearest ten recognize Easter as a national holiday or as a state holiday? I feel like I'm getting in trouble for this. I want to say that like America, I I, I thought the whole of America celebrated it because you know free holiday. Um. So it's it's Sunday, but what I mean is, oh, sorry. What I mean is the um, the the weekday equivalent. So, like, you know, you, you talked about how there was a Friday holiday and then there was a Sunday holiday. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the, the weekday holiday. How many U.S. states celebrate uh, Good Friday as a holiday? So there's, what, 50 states, right? There are 50 states. So how many of them do you think... Um, Celebrated as a holiday, specifically Good Friday, not Easter, the the corresponding weekday holiday. I, I realize I asked that question horribly. 
Uh, I'm gonna say twenty-seven. Twelve. Most states actually do Is not. Is all the ones on the eastern coast? So, no, no. It's actually it's the opposite. So there's a couple um, like more religious states that actually recognize it, but the U.S. in Texas? general, like. The, the whole freedom of religion thing in the U.S., there actually aren't that many religious holidays that the U.S. celebrates. Um, because the idea is that we, we've got a ton of religions over here, so why I would... I suppose you've got, you've got history holidays, though, as well. What was that? you got, like, Freedom Day. Oh, yeah. Well, our... <laughs> like, we, we celebrate... Independence. Yeah, our holidays are, are, are basically... Like, there's some big holidays that we celebrate consistently but most mm. of our national holidays the ones celebrated at the federal level like all the states those are holidays that affect the entire country independence day thanksgiving to uh, be fair like just a lot of our history england uh has is like linked to religion anyway maybe that's why i just see it as all our it's, it's one of those things where like you asked me on good friday if i had the day off and I, you called it a bank holiday yeah which, which was confusing to me i'm like what the fuck is a this is something that has always weirded me out because we don't have these things called bank holidays here it seems like all the old religious holidays in europe have been converted into these things bank holidays so a bank holiday just means that even the people working at the bank are on holidays day yeah, like I was it's one of the major parts of cornerstones of society, but even they get to go on holiday, so it's a bank holiday. Yeah, it, well, it's it's one of those things that just seems weird to me. It's like, right? Why should we take the day off because the banks have the day off? Like, can we just have a normal day? Like, <laughs> it's not because of the banks. <laughs> fuck the bankers. Like, it just it, again, it, it's it, it's a cultural thing in the U.S. The idea of a bank holiday just it, it has like that 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 phrase has no meaning. We're just like, yeah, what it's, the it's, are you talking about? Anyway, yeah. so, we'll move on. <clears throat> so, um, can you describe why Good, Fri uh, why Good Friday is a holiday? Because it's when we put Jesus on the cross? Nope. Uh, wait, no, hang on. Is it when we took him down from the cross and put him in the cave? Boom. Got it. Good Friday is when Jesus died and was put in the cave. That's why. Hey, so how many days was he on the cross for? He was in the... Or is that a question? No, it isn't a question. Because um, th that all happened beforehand. Uh, Easter is, like, after Jesus was resurrected. So, right. the whole cross thing... Um, I'm sorry, you've gotten so many of these right. I've had quite a few of these. Um, yes. <laughs> but, it's still smaller than me. It's um, the, the idea was that he was taken down from the cross, dead, mm. put in a cave, or in a tomb, resurrected, came out, and then was resurrected. That's the idea behind it. The, the, the period on the cross, I actually don't know how long he was on the cross. I want to say it was a few days, but that's not part of the holiday. It starts when he was dead. I'm gonna watch Life of Brian again now. God. Um, okay. God damn it. I just realized that I was...
preempting a couple of my own questions by giving that description. Oh, uh, yeah? Um, <clears throat> Alright, What question so, are we on, by the way? We are on question 13. Okay. Wow, fuck, we're almost there. So, next one. How many chocolate rabbits are sold each year in the U.S. for Easter? America's renowned for having really bad chocolate, like really shit quality chocolate. Yeah, but it's also full of sugar too, because, I mean, we have no healthcare, so we don't have to worry about that shit. If it's full of sugar, why does it taste so shit? It's mostly artificial it's sugar. I guess. Yeah. Um, so what's the question? Uh, well, how many... Oh, fuck, I don't know. How many gross... chocolate bunnies? Two... And I will tell you, it's in millions, and you get a plus or minus five million number. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but how many millions uh, of chocolate rabbits are sold each year? This is like, work out how many shops there are, and then multiply the number by 20 or something. Like, in the whole of America. Do you need Mind to know you, our population? Okay. You've got, uh, you've got 20 seconds me? left. You've got 20 seconds I'm left. A, Am I allowed to know your population count? 320 million or so. Alright, I'm going to say about 500 million. Wait, in one day? Just on Easter. Just on Easter. Oh, fuck. Uh, fuck. Uh, a uh, hundred million. You fail. Wow. But you were very close. Okay. So I gave you a plus or minus 5 million margin. It's actually 9 million in the US. 90 million. 90 oh, million. Okay, I was going to say, how am I close? And I was like, okay, 90 Sorry, million. Sorry, 90 million. So, you were, if you had said like 90, <sighs> you were, you were... 95, I would go You were it, five yeah. off from the margin. Shit. Um, I was kind of panicking because of the time. <laughs> no, no, it's... Well, that that's why we have the timer in there. Jesus. Um, but... Yeah, it's, um... I thought, yeah, I th yeah, because at first I thought you meant like, how many chocolate rabbits over the period of like no no just on, on literally on easter day yeah i honestly i was surprised at how low it was too if i'm if i'm honest yeah um i bet a ton of them get sold the day after like because they're reduced and so everyone just buys a fuck ton of chocolate all right so before so next next question mm -hmm. before uh the like candies and stuff were an easter snack what was the traditional Easter snack? It's gonna be a fruit of some kind. <laughs> banana. I'm not giving you any hint. It's not a banana. It's not a Honestly, banana. I wanna, I wanna say orange, because it's like still a sweet treat. Um, I will tell you it's not an orange. You're 15 seconds in. Oh, maybe some kind of bread, because the, like, the, the skin of the body of christ now you are giving me a hint with that face yeah i am i am uh Getting spicy closer. bread <laughs> nope 30 seconds uh some kind of baked product but like what's what's reborn bread toast nope <laughs> um 10 seconds uh eggy bread because of easter eggs we call that french toast and no you know, upright American would eat anything that says French. <laughs> you named it French Toast Week or Eggy Bread. You um, still got five seconds. Go. Uh, Quickly, I'll, I'll allow you one waffles. last guess. 
What? Waffles. No. Fuck. Would you believe it's pretzels? Right. It's pretzels. Is that because it's German? No. Well, I mean, that, that probably is a part of the reason. <laughs> considering a lot of Easter traditions do come out of Germany. Um, but yep. no. The, uh, the reason is because it looks like arms entwined in prayer. Like, if you have a twisted pretzel, it's... Yeah, they're like... I... I... That was the, the description that I got from, you know, the, the Wiki art, Wikipedia article I was reading it from. This is not something that is coming from my own personal knowledge. This did, is something did you see I, any other source that said that? Yes, they, they did give sources, okay. and I did look it up. And it seems to be co uh, corroborated by some other sources, but... It seems kind of sketchy. Anyway. Why can't it be like marshmallows? They're soft and pudgy. <laughs> Alright. This is the final question, and it it's probably a little bit easy after having gone through everything else. But, okay. final question. Um, right. uh, the, the Friday that precedes um, Easter, what does it represent? Friday that precedes, who comes before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Haven't we already heard this question? Is him nope. getting put in the cave? Mm, nope. That's Good Friday, isn't it? It is Good Friday, but him being put in the cave happens after. He's being put on the cross. Bam. Him dying. There's specifically, only three stages to this story, guys. Specifically him dying on the cross. So so Good okay. Friday is him dying on the cross and being taken mm. down. He gets put in the cave the next day, and then a couple days after that, he's resurrected and yeah. then the leaves. The microwave sound pings. Leaves the and, tomb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He walks he got out with sunglasses on. You honestly did a lot better on this one than I was expecting. It's a um, very short story. <laughs> Well, I mean, some of these were cultural ones. They were like, where did the eggs come from? Where did the, you know, where did this... The, the Germany one, I thought you were never going to get that, and you got it in, like, 0. 0.6 seconds. all religion comes from Germany and, like, Europe. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they know I have how to... to celebrate. They really do. But, yeah. Have you heard about how they do, like, wedding celebrations in Germany? I don't know, I assume they drink beer. They have, like, well, yeah, throughout, but, like, they have the cake first, and then they have a main meal later on, and it goes all the way through the night of them feasting. It's fucking awesome. That is very, honestly, I want, you know, dude, I fully intend to get married someday, and that, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, Alicia went to a, uh, a wedding in Germany, uh, one of her cousins, and, yeah, oh, it was really good like just the way that they described it was just, just very what was it they said it was like clothes were very expensive i think but food was very cheap or mm. something um well, yeah I, we, we're kind of coming on the end here and um we're already so far into the pale do you want to know what the full length of this podcast is so far it, well what do you mean state one minutes uh, no, no, no. It's it's. We're currently sitting at two hours and twenty three minutes. Oh, the full thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been. Quite yeah, I mean, a bit. The, the first two segments covered the time that it would normally do for us to do a whole podcast. So this was all. 
this was all extra. Additional. Um, but I kind of like this. I actually, now that we both have our faces on here, how would you feel about me uploading this uh, this little bit to YouTube? Oh, wait, what? What do you mean? It's specifically just the last quiz segment. Oh, what, separately? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But, no, but it, what I was, um, was going to say, like, I've been to, um, I've been to a few, well, quite a few weddings at this point, mm. and I've been, I've been a groomsman at a few of them, and one thing that I've learned from that is that, A, there's a lot to it, and B, there's something just really good about, like, that, that sort of, like, tradition, right? Even if, even if you, you aren't religious, that ritual thing of like going through the process of like oh your friend's getting married let's let's give him a big night and make oh, him yeah, feel yeah, good yeah. and like you know be like we're all there for him that sort of thing it's not mm. like uh taking the mick out of him <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like i feel like a lot of the times that a bachelor party gets portrayed as a uh, a way to how do i put this a way to um say that Oh, he's no longer free anymore. He's not, you know, he's, he's yeah, not. Yeah, that's he's, like that, the whole cake thing. But that that's not the thing. It's, it's, you're going in there and you're essentially celebrating the man. You're celebrating mm. him. It's like this, this guy's going off, you know, he's going off and he's going to get married and he's going to have kids. He's going to be a, he's going on to the next stage of his life and you're sending him into that next stage of his life. I think I've had a conversation with Alicia where we were joking around about this kind of stuff. And I was like, would it be okay, sweetie, if I had David Tennant pop out the cake? <laughs> <laughs> I think the response was something like, only if you take pictures for me. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. That's a that's a real couple's thing, is if you know both the man and wife appreciate the stripper popping out of the cake. Well, I'm oh. pretty sure that's never gonna happen. That's never All right, gonna be should okay. we should we end the podcast? <laughs> yeah, let's let's so, wrap so it up. So the final score, by the way, I was keeping track. Um, you actually got most of the. I think I only got you on maybe like four or five of them. This has to be my best one ever. I mean, I feel yeah, like you, a lot of them. You were very nice with. Like, I just said Germany, and you're like, yeah, well, you got it, it. But literally, that was the answer that I had written in my notebook was Germany. It came out of Germany. Um, th there were a couple that like uh, you were vague on that I gave you half credit, but still. That being said, um, you did better on this than I expected. Like, I I, I threw in a few lowball questions, thinking that you would have a hard time with them, but you got them. Like, to be fair, there was no alchemy booze today, so maybe that was well, helping for, my uh, cognitive for, thinking for one of us. Well, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. We'll end it there. You've now seen both of us. Look. My face has been here before. You see his face now. Um, for those on YouTube, for those on the, uh, you know, on Spotify and other platforms, you know, look, look us up on YouTube. Or maybe it's a blessing. Honestly, uh, it probably is a blessing. You can see Kaiser's uh, lactation spot on his shirt. Uh, no, so... <laughs> God damn it. I swear to fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wearing a shirt right now that has a like a, a brand like right over one of one of like one side of my chest, and he has been going. It looks like you're lactating. Um, 
God damn it. All right. We're going to end it there. This is going to okay. be the end of episode 38 of the TMCJ oh. podcast. Hopefully you've had as much fun in this episode as we have. This has been a particularly yep. long one, but I think that we've talked about a lot of things that are not only interesting, but are fun. Um, definitely not in the first segment, um, but maybe <laughs> well, a little later. <laughs> interesting for sure. Oh, whatever. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon. We love hearing from you. But hope you have stick a around. Great Easter. Oh, that's true. And hopefully you stick around for episode 39. Yeah, I'll see you next week.